ready? S-D-P-P. The Steve Dangle Podcast. With your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Sometimes you're not bad. Well, you are bad. But you're worse than bad. You're depressing. And that's last year's uh, Anaheim Ducks. I almost said San Jose Sharks. They weren't quite as depressing. Uh, Emotionless, directionless, positionless, and not in a good way. No. But is this the year that uh, things change for the Ducks? Now, I I just want you to know that the odds are not great. What do you think the over-under for points is for the Anaheim Ducks, guys? I'm going to say 69 because it's the sex number. What do you think? Well, it'd be 0.5, right? 69. 69.5. Jesse. Yeah. And I know the number, so I can't guess. It's 67 and a half. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Do you you take the over or do you take the under on that? And you don't know the answer, right? (laughs) Oh, man. Like, they're so early in the rebuild Mm -hmm. that they're not even really at the stage where, like, so you're not it's, answering it's, the question then? You're not going to tell me whether you're taking the over or the under? That's that's correct. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh. Ooh. Okay, 67 and a half is bad. Yeah, but if they're going to be among the last place teams in the league, remember the Leafs had a really good last place season mm-hmm. by NHL historical standards, mm-hmm. if that's even a good thing to have, and they had 67. Points. Okay, so... I'll, I'll see, say over. I'll okay. say over because <laughs> say over. it's really <laughs> difficult to be that thank bad. You. Thank you for finally answering. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So last year they finished with 58 points. Oh, so that'd they're be a 10-point improvement. Yeah, they're not improving by 10 points. I'm taking the under. Now, as of this year, th- there are some changes, but one of the things that's glaring, at least as of this recording, is that Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale are still not signed. Now, assuming that they're, they're going to be signed by the start of camp, which, you know, is a... I think it's a fair enough assumption. Start um, of the season, you mean? Sorry, start of the season. Yeah, we are uh, that have, boat already. Yeah, we're missed, past that. They have missed a lot of camp, or most of camp, or all of camp at that point. Um, does that hinder the start of their year? Of course it does, but it kind of shows you where the Ducks' priorities are. Like uh, Jamie Drysdale is a good player. Trevor Zegers is a good player. And well, if we can't get a contract worked out, then we're gonna sit out the beginning of the season which will make you worse. And the Ducks say, oh, no, because mm. they're still very much in a rebuilding year. Like, they're they're at the point where they're not even, like, rushing prospects. Um, league scoring was well up last year. No one crossed 70 points. And now they're potentially starting the season, or at very least camp, without their top scorer from last season, um, their top defensive prospect, John Gibson is just going to be in trade rumors with an 888 save percentage again for the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. Where's the where's well, the hope? Can I can I give you some numbers about how bad last season was? How as bad was it? At last year, the Ducks ranked 31st in goals per game. They were uh, 31st. They were 31st in power play percentage, 30th Chicago. in five-on-five goals. They were worst in goals against per game, and most shots against per game, they're also worse. And then 31st on the penalty kill. So they were bad Dude. not only offensively, but defensively. And their solution to solving their goal-scoring problem was signing Alex Kalorn, who isn't known as the greatest goal scorer. He's, he's a good goal scorer, he's but he's not guy. He's not a he's 45 like a, goal scorer. A mid-six guy. When, so, he, when uh, he scored on the Leafs, it was his first goal in like 
what was it, 40 games or something like that? Yeah. So the playoffs? when I look at a Ducks team that struggles on both ends of the ice and their improvements to, to get better were to sign mid-tier players, I don't imagine how they could be getting better. One of the changes they've made this year was at head coach. Greg Cronin is in for Dallas Eakins, and he's been quoted as saying they'd like to play positionless hockey, but not in the way they played positionless <laughs> hockey last year. The good positionless hockey where defense can rush, although if you look at their defense, I'm not sure who's going to. Uh, and that forwards cover and vice versa. Do you think that that suits a team like this? Uh, I mean, yes. It, it reminds me of uh, the first year Babcock was he head coach of the Leafs, uh, where they finished last, by the way. Mm -hmm. But they just had sort of everybody playing everywhere. I, I think what the Ducks are going to prioritize this year, um, because, listen, they don't have as much talent as – basically any other team in the league. Um, but they signed Radko Gudis, mm -hmm. and they signed Alex Kalorn, two big guys. Um, they've been very deep in the playoffs, Kalorn, many times. Uh, he's going to make things difficult in front of the other net. Uh, Kalorn is. Gudis is going to make things difficult in front of the Ducks net. The Ducks were too easy to play against uh, last year. So... Now, if they lose games, which they probably will, they're at very least going to leave a mark. Okay. Yeah, but when I think of like exciting positionless hockey, I think of Radko Gugadis and Robert Haig and Ilya Labushkin, the guys they brought in this summer. You you think of having like three <laughs> centers on one line and you can just have them do whatever. Yeah, guys like, guys like Gugadis on the back end playing positionless hockey. I can't wait for a boosh roosh. <laughs> hey, that one breakaway goal he scored yeah. in Toronto. Right. Yeah. <laughs> A boosh roost. <laughs> Go to jail. Yeah. That's really good. All right, all right, all right. I do want to ask you this. Can anyone put up with another year of John Gibson trade rumors? Does he finally get dealt? Um, nah. I, I kind of, like, I'm looking at their cap situation and thinking that might be what they have in mind. Um, they have Alex Stalock under contract. They have John Gibson, obviously. Uh, four more years left, Oof, Maron. and uh, Lucas Dostal, who I think was kind of thrown to the wolves a little earlier than he ought to have been. So the, the plan is probably still Gibson-Stalock, but they have a situation where if they trade Gibson, uh, they could go to a tandem of Stalock, Dostal, and... and yeah, they well, have, I mean, they're not going to go backward. No, they have the opportunity to trade Gibson. It's just a matter of whether or not anybody wants a four-year contract for $6.4 million can, for can a 30-year-old. Is he worth it at $3.2 million, 50%? No, if they retain, yeah. yeah. It's a long time to retain. What, what the Ducks can do, because they have a ton of cap space, is they can take a ton of dead cap back. Uh, like, they could take a bad contract. They could retain X, Y, and Z. Ideal uh, for them, I think, would be uh, a guy with not a lot of money owed, but a big cap hit. But there's not a ton of those out there anymore. Mm -hmm. No, there isn't because no. those deals are starting to expire. And also, some of the deals that look bad this year are not going to look as bad next year or the year after, which mm -hmm. is why, I, you know, with the cap going up, I wonder how much um, Anaheim is able to weaponize the fact that they do have the cap space to make themselves better. I'm going to run you through the roster. It's a lot older. And given given that there are some young players, but so, there are some a lot of over 30s. Alex Kalorn is 34. Adam yep. Henrique is 33. Silverberg is 32. Ryan Strom, who's signed for four more years, is 30. Frank Vertrano is 29. Brock McGinn is 29. Sam Carrick is 31. Cam Fowler, 31. Hey, Radko Gude is 33. Um, he had a great preseason, Sam Carrick. He 
did. Alex, Leave legend. <laughs> Alex Stalock is 36. John Gibson is 30. Mm-hmm. Now, I get that. I know there's a reason why those guys are there. They're to fill positions. Yeah. Um, and I know that most of them will be gone in a couple of years, although I have to look at Ryan Strom's contract and go, okay, that's a, that's a long time. Guys like Henrik Silverberg, are those trade deadline kind of, ooh, that, that could be a good little depth addition to a good team? Yes, uh, the, the, the Ducks have three missions this year. One, be more difficult to play against. Uh, two, pump up the values of the guys you're going to deal at the deadline. And number three, uh, the only success on this team that matters are the young guys. Like burying the lead, we haven't even mentioned Leo Carlson. Well, right? I was gonna. That was gonna be my next question. Do you think he plays this year? Yeah, I think there's a. He I think there's he, a third line center role for Leo Carlson. He's. I'm fascinated by that decision because he's clearly good enough. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he's clearly good enough. Would he be uh, good enough on a good team? Uh, he might even be good enough on a good team. This is a really, really good player. Right. Uh, this, is second, second, this is the second overall pick. Yeah, I'm yeah. not denigrating his talent. I'm just saying, is it better for his development to stay away from the tire fire? This is kind of what I'm... This is what I'm looking at, but um, like, where's he? Is he going to play in the AHL? Does he, you know, go to Europe or something? I... Uh, it might just be best to have him take his lumps in the NHL, and that way he's been there, and you can kind of only go up from there. I think that I think there's a real shot here. If you're adding to the things for this year, and you said three is is developing young players, four which should be uh, get Leo Carlson the Calder Trophy. Like there, I think there's a serious oh, there you shot. Go. That there he, you go. If, yeah. if Connor Bedard takes any sort of step back from, we all expect him to score 40 goals, and instead he scores 35. Leo Carlson on a very bad Ducks team has an opportunity to just put up numbers. It's right. a really good rookie year, man. Yeah. yeah the other- Really thing, he could be paired with a guy like Mason McTavish, who nobody's talking about, but had 43 points in 80 games last year for the Ducks and is 20 years old. I feel like that's a guy I'm looking forward to stepping forward and maybe taking a role. I know he's center left wing, but if he can be another center presence, maybe he's not a full-time center, yeah. that could be very valuable for them. Yeah, and and McTavish, Zegris, Terry, Drysdale, Carlson is a great core five. Sure Absolutely. is. There's a great future there for the Ducks, and I think that, that should be stated Can't as wait well. for John Gibson to backstop them. Sometimes, <laughs> oh, how dare you. Sometimes we're so down on a team that we're too down on them. Yeah. And that might be the Ducks. I if you're an optimistic person, that's what you got to bank on. Okay, so let's uh, let's wrap it up here for them. Guys, I need your predictions. There are eight teams in the Pacific Division. Where do the Ducks finish? Boy, the Sharks look like they're going to be so bad, and I still couldn't put the Ducks above them. I, I got the Ducks eighth. Jesse, what do you have the Ducks I have at? the Ducks in eighth as well. I, too, have the Ducks in eighth. I think the Sharks are just too strong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oof. Oof. But we'll see. Maybe they're like some magical story. It is the NHL after all. Now, at the start of last season, just about everybody had the Flames winning the division, or maybe coming in second. Uh, some of them, notably Craig Button, who has owned this, had them going all the way to the cup. Tell us uh, tell us what we were coming out of. Uh, what, what do you mean? We were coming out of the summer of Brad. Oh, that's right. You remember that? <laughs> tree living, tree loving, and tree laughing. Yeah. That's right. Everybody was so hyped about what Brad did over the summer. And Pierre Dorian was just in a corner like, I did stuff too. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, we're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're a team. Now, 
Some had them winning or winning the cup. The season was derailed by three major things. We got injuries, we got uh, ineffectual coaching, and we got terrible goaltending. And here's the actually, if there's a fourth thing, like a three A, did I mention that they lost 17 games in overtime and missed the playoffs by a couple of points? So a couple of those games go a different direction. The Flames at least would have been in the first round, and maybe Sutter would still be the coach. Lol, lol, lol. So what does that mean for the season? We just had the Michael Backlund, as of this recording, extension signed. He's the captain. Good vibes. That's a good mm-hmm. vibe thing. Mm-hmm. Craig Conroy feels like a good vibe guy. Mm-hmm. Seems like a really fun guy, but he does have a lot of extensions that will hinge on the Flames' success, which brings us to Ryan Huska. This is the major point of contention last year was the coaching. What's Ryan Huska got to do this year with this roster, which is pretty close to the same, to see success? Uh, he's gotta be able to motivate. Um, you know, th- there's, there's tacticians and there's motivators. And, uh, I, I know Daryl Sutter's not a motivator. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Yeah. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> he's not the raw, raw guy. Like uh, I add a D in front of that D motivator. D motivator. Like, yeah, no, the, the Calgary Flames on that center? played. It's, it's rare that a team so openly is joyless. And they were. And they were genuinely joyless. Openly. They played below their skill level. So Huska, I, I think, in, in some ways actually has a, a, a job. I, I don't want to say easy, but it's, it's not going to be that hard to just be like, hey, isn't playing in the National Hockey League fun? Right. Isn't that fun? Hey, Nazem. Hey, Jonathan, I think is going to be his most important project. Getting a guy who scored like, what was it? 120 points? I don't know. I think it was 111. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, something ridiculous. 73 assists. And then Getting him above 60? Oh, what a Herculean task. Like, it, he, they can do it. The Flames are right now listed at 94 and a half. Would you take the over or the under, Jesse and Steve? Oh. 94 and a half points this season? They had 93 last year. Oh, my God. Uh, under. Under, 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 yeah. You're not a fan. No, it's, tell me about it. It's if we're if we're getting into that, Steve. What's your answer first? I'll say over. I'm saying over. Too. You're say saying over. over? Not by much. Over. One, it's a tough division. Like we're we're it running is. down the division. We're doing all of our previews and everything. And the division stack. Like there's so many good teams here, and it's a matter of, I think, is what we saw the players last year who they are. You know, is that who they're going to be in the future? And I'm not convinced that Markstrom is a great goaltender anymore. Like I need to, I need, I need to see evidence here that Kadri and Huberto and Lindholm work as a trio. That they're that they can run a top six here and they can be a good forward group, and that Markstrom can uh, actually come back as a good goalie. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see it at all last year, and I just need evidence. So I don't believe in them at this point. They need a, a goalie whisperer. Like so, so many of the goals he allowed were like unforced errors, uh, bad moments. Like when you really, really could not afford them. Well, if you're a goaltender, what should you do? Uh, tend the goal, especially if you're who, uh, Jacob Markstrom, who is bad at what, uh, playing the puck. Yeah, like you are not Martin Brodeur, you're not Marty Turco, you're not Martin, you're not Martin anything. I uh, think Martin Jones, Markstrom, <laughs> you're not. Yeah, Martin Jones is probably better at playing the puck, right? Than Jake Markstrom. Like, listen, um, when he's in his net, he's a Vesna nominee. You know, uh, he's 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 got to stop. And the to you know to the point about the over under and how good of a division it is. I'm looking at my ranks right now. 
And I honestly might change where I have the flames by the end of this video. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's funny because they are quite talented. The roster is loaded with a lot of talent. They got strong defense. The The other thing that they really need to address is something that Daryl Sutter supposedly said a lot to upper management last year, which is he was lacking a finisher. After Gaudreau and Kachuk left, there weren't the same goal scorers on the roster. There's a lot of guys who are playmaking. But I thought you guys would find this interesting because I texted Julian this morning, Julian McKenzie of The Athletic, to ask him about what the coaches are going to do differently. And he said, Mark Savard is a big key. He's the new assistant coach on offense. Yep. He was in charge of the leading OHL team in goals the last two seasons. He wants his guys to be creative in the offensive zone while also knowing where everyone is at all times, basically finding openings. And he doesn't like his guys to hang on to the puck very long. What do we know about the the flames forwards uh they're really good at uh, moving the puck good setup men right yes well mark savard could score but having a guy who was a career playmaker like mark savard play with or coach rather a uh, guy like jonathan huberdo mm. even cadre is i think underrated in terms of a playmaker He's just a really, he's a good all-around forward right and like you know oh they have a lack of finishers i'm like cadre you know what I mean? Well, like, Lindholm scored 40. Yeah, like I don't know if he's ever going to score 95-100 again or whatever it was in, in Colorado. Uh, but, I mean, he's capable of... Basically, everyone on that roster is capable of more than what they did. The I know Huska is in there to improve the vibes. It is going to hurt having uh, these clouds hanging over the team, These these contracts that... Uh, are either going to get traded or simply expire. But locking up Backlund is huge. Mm -hmm. um, they handled the Toffoli thing. They didn't do the greatest in that deal, but like they got a player who's... Sharon Go is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if he's top line on the Flames good, but like that, that's, that's an adequate player. I think they're going to be a lot more fun to watch uh, this year if you're a Flames fan. They were plenty of fun to watch if you hate the Flames. I think it, yeah, I think they'll definitely be a lot more fun just because of the vibes, but in terms of putting up points and having that finishing touch, they lost their leading goal scorer from last they year. They did. Tyler Toffoli put up 34 goals and led and led the team in yeah. points and goals, and now he's no longer on the team, and you're expecting Sharon Govich to pick up that. You're expecting the rest of the team to step up from where they were last year and pick up that slack that Tyler Toffoli's leaving, but I don't expect that out of this team. And they're being backstopped by a goalie who had an 892 save percentage in 56 Agreed. games. Agreed. And and a strong defense in front of him, right? Yeah. You know, that was he's got he's must must be better. And I'm also curious about Dustin Wolf and what he is able to do at the NHL level because this is his season to come in. And if he has a good year and Markstrom fails again, there's an opportunity there to be an NHL starter by midseason. Dude, he could be a sneaky, sneaky Calder candidate. Might be a good fantasy pickup. He might be. Uh, he's. I. He's gonna play. Yeah. He's. He's gonna play. Oh, yeah. Plenty uh, of games. There. There are two. Notable with with him. With him playing games before you move off of that. Sure, sure. They. They did sign Vladar. Like they still have Vladar and. Yeah. They have two goalies. Right yeah. Now. They're trying to move him though. They haven't yet though. They. The, yeah. No. <laughs> they, you're they, right. You're they've right. stocked the goalie room, Craig, so there's not uh, that opportunity. Craig for Conroy one. has really been moving at a snail's pace. Like. There, there are some things where it's clear he's like, no, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to take, but, but like, dude, you, 
This is a move you kind of need to make. <laughs> look at the look at the screen there. The defensive core after this season does not include at this point Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov, Osterley, or Dennis Gilbert. Uh, we're not sure about Oliver Shillington, but yeah. if he does come back and play, he is also an unrestricted free agent after the end of this year. So that is going to be fascinating too. Two very notable uh, um, absences from the lineup that Jesse had up mm -hmm. uh, from Daily Faceoff. Uh, Oliver Shillington is a that's you know it's a big loss for the Flames whenever he's not in the lineup, and uh, Jakob Peltier, um, it looks like he's going to be out indefinitely uh, with yeah. the with a preseason yeah. injury. So there's roster spots up for grabs uh, if you're the Calgary Flames uh, or one of their fans. Like expect the unexpected. You never know. There might be a surprise guy that that kind of well, comes out of nowhere. I, I have a guy. Well, he's not coming out of nowhere, but he's one of the guys that Sutter refused to play last year, and he's having a great camp, and that's Matt Coronado. Matt Coronado. Yeah. I'm really excited for this guy. He is. I think he's got four goals already, and I know it's preseason, and I know he likely doesn't even start the year with the team. But if we're going to, if you're going to moneyball well, this, I, uh, if Toffoli, he might. Well, he might with the injuries, but if Toffoli's gone, can you get? Close to Toffoli production from Peltier, assuming he's not gone forever, Sharon Govich and Matt Coronado combined. I mean, so I know, much a big ask. You can't, it is a big ask, but I'm just quite, you know, can you get 25, 30 goals from those three players? And if you can, I feel like. I think you can. They might be okay. Wait, each? Well, no. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> like, no. Combine. No. <laughs> yeah, combine. I think you can do it. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, doing, we're doing that Leaf thing. Where we're looking at the rest of the lineup and going, can we get this? Can we get that? What is it? Get? What really matters? Jonathan Huberto makes ten and a half million dollars. He's he's gotta be the guy in and around. Like Jesus, is top twenty in the league too much to ask for for scoring? I, I can't be. Not when you're making that kind of money. The the bar's got to be at least ninety points. Um, they were nineteenth in goals for last year, twentieth in goals against. Mm -hmm. Kind of feels obvious, doesn't it? Yeah. And the fact that they missed the playoffs by like a point, even with those stats. To me, that's why I'm going to hammer the over on these guys. I think that this team is going to make the playoffs this year. Do I think they're going to be dominant? Yes, in stretches. But I think most of the time they're going to be a pretty good team that makes a pretty good run in the playoffs, maybe second round. I'm struggling so hard. Like, I have my rankings in front of me. Do I have to make my choice right now? Make your now? choice now. Yeah. <laughs> I have them listed fifth. I'm going to bump him to third. Whoa. Yeah. Really? I'm going to bump him to third. Okay. I, I can it's, see why. It's, it's the... I don't... I don't know if this is going to uh, make Flames fans feel better or insulted. It's... This is a regular season bet we're making here. Mm -hmm. So I think they can be the third best team in the division in the regular season. I don't think they're the third best team in the division. Jesse, what do you have the Flames at in the division this year? Uh, those defensemen you listed, all those UFAs, they they probably look good at a trade deadline, you know, to sell off oh. this team because I have them. Finishing, <laughs> it wouldn't be the worst if they were bad. Yeah, it wouldn't be the worst. I have them finishing sixth in the division. I'm a lot higher on the other teams than you guys. No like. kidding. Yeah, I have the Flames in See, fifth. I like them too, though. Uh, I have the Flames in fifth, and I'm struggling a little bit between them and the Kraken because of the Kraken's goaltending situation, which we'll get to. But I think the the Flames are a good team. I think they're a wild card team. I think they're getting in. And do they have the opportunity to crack? the top three sure i just don't see how they do it ahead of la vegas and edmonton so we'll see what happens 94 and a half is the over under i don't know what would you take edmonton oilers listed at 105 and a half points 
over or under that. Think about that for a second and then take this into consideration. When you think about the Edmonton Oilers, you look at this team and you go, how can they not win the division in the regular season? Mm -hmm. But then you also look at them and go, how can they get past the Golden Knights in the playoffs? So with that in mind, this is all about the regular season. What do we say for the over-under? 105.5 points. Guys, do you take the over or the under? I'm headbutting the over. I'm jumping on the over with both feet. Jesse. I'll take the over on that one. Yeah, I'm going to do that too. This is an a team that's undeniably built for success in the regular season yep. or has been in the past. Uh, they've had tons of success in the regular season, and they've had some pretty good, okay, not not a good enough by their standard success in the playoffs. They lost the last two years Stanley Cup champion. I know. That's pretty good. It's yeah, pretty but, good. But still. Well, and the difference is two, two years ago, they were utterly dominated by the Stanley Cup champion. Yep. Last year, they were probably the Stanley Cup champion's biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. this, this is a team that's ready, frankly. They're ready to go for it. They smell blood. They have this crazy look in their eye, and not just Connor McDavid, and the unbelievable abundance of pictures they make this guy take. Yeah. Stop. It's mean. It's too bad. It's mean. Um, I know he's the biggest star, but it's mean. I know you want to talk about scoring. I don't. Not to start anyway. I want to ask you guys about this. Well, we all know they can do that. Do the Edmonton yeah. Oilers, <laughs> knowing who their true starter is, which is Stuart Skinner, does yeah. that give them an advantage going into this season? Because last year it was definitely Jack Campbell. Look at that contract. And now it's very definitely Stuart Skinner with Jack, no. Jack Campbell playing 30-something. Jack games. Campbell's got to be the starter. you got to figure out a way for Jack Campbell to be the starter. Stuart Skinner's playoff numbers. He had an 883 in 12 Jeez. games. That's rough. 3.68 GAA. You know, he was he was horrendous was in the Jack? playoffs, and that's he, he didn't start a single game. He came because? in in relief of Stuart Skinner because they decided by the time the playoffs ra ra came around that they would run with Stuart Skinner, and that was their guy, and he was awful. I think for the sake of the contract and for the sake of the team, you have to find a way to ja get Jack Campbell back to starter form. Jack Campbell's career playoff numbers are interesting. 228 goals against average, 920 save percentage. but He had a high save percentage with the Leafs, but if you go back to that dastardly Montreal series, some of those goals. Ooh. So, but here's the thing. Here's why you couldn't start Jack, and here's why Stuart Skinner has to be the starter, in my opinion, is Jack's numbers last year. But despite being 21-9, and nine, uh, he had an wow. eight, he had an 888 save percentage and a 341 goals against average. That's Almost still that, better that's, that's than Stuart Skinner. That's still better than Stuart Skinner was in the playoffs. Here's what's incredible. But about, this is a regular season thing. What's incredible about Campbell being an 888 on the season is his first half was so much worse mm -hmm. than that. He was unusable, but that means he actually put together like a improved, usable at very least second half. It's an 82-game season. Um, I think the starting position has got to be jump ball. Um, yeah. I, I think you got to use these guys uh, in a tandem, keeps them both fresh, keeps them competitive, and you got to be open to the idea that Skinner's going to be the starter for a while. Campbell's going to be the starter for a while. And you figure it out once the playoffs arrive. But, you know, maybe it's still a tandem situation in, in the playoffs, not where you're switching back and forth arbitrarily. We've seen that bite a few teams in the butt. But if a guy has two, like, back-to-back -to -back tough games, eh, you got to switch. Yeah, I think, Steve, you make the best point when you just tell us how many games there are in the regular season, which is how many. 82! 
82 games is so many games. It's you, so many games. You go into game one and you say, we don't have a starting goaltender because one was awful in the playoffs and one was bad in the regular season. Guys, go play it out. It's either Campbell or Stuart Skinner, and they're going to figure it out themselves. And by the time you reach the playoffs, you have 82 games to figure this situation out. All right. Now, how does having a healthy Evander Kane all the way through camp and starting the year help this team? Uh, helps him score even more goals. <laughs> like I, I mean, even when he was injured and came back, he was very effective. Yes, he was. And like, uh, you know, Connor Brown is going to be good for them. Zach Hyman is going to be good for them. Like they, they have so many guys who can chip in like a sneaky 15, 20, 25, uh, goal season. Actually, Hyman has, I believe more than one season with more than that. Mm-hmm. Connor Brown ba- basically didn't play hockey last year. He doesn't count. Evander oh. Kane on this Oilers team, like I don't think he's this kind of player, but on the Oilers, if he's healthy, he can score like 40 goals. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. So it's funny when you said a healthy, that is not the name that I expected to come. Who after. did you think? I, I thought you were going to say uh, Matthias Ekholm. Well, I was going to get to him next. How does an entire year of... By the way, there are more Matthias's on Edmonton than there is anywhere else. It's the home of the Matthias's. Who's Yanmark and Ekholm? Um, uh, two. 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 Wow. <laughs> That's a ton. Oh. Edmonton, home of the Matthias. Man. The Matthias. Uh, <laughs> the Matthias. Yes. Uh, Matthias Ekholm. What does he do for this team? Healthy and for... How many games? 82! Ideally. Yeah, he doesn't need to play all 82, and it certainly doesn't sound like he's... Uh, going to, but uh, to quote the big Lebowski, he really tied the room together. Like, l- look at this decor. It's still not very good. Like, let's be honest. Nurse CC is a nightmare of a top pairing. Um, they can help move the puck, but oof. Uh, Ekholm Bouchard, to me, is clearly the top pairing yeah. of this team. You have a guy who is, I mean, potentially going to lead all defensemen in scoring next year, a full season on PP1. Uh, Evan Bouchard, that's going to be ridiculous. And then Kulak, Deharnay. I mean, Kulak's fine on the third pair. Deharnay's a bit seaweed of a seaweed man. Still, the, oh god, the <laughs> worst man. nickname in all of Vinny, sports. Seaweed man, Deharnay, because apparently he, it's like getting into the weeds. Except for that's how Oiler fans feel when he has to move the puck. Yeah, like you need league average D. And I still don't even know if they're there, but Ekholm. Uh, makes them so much closer to it. It's it's it was such a good pickup from Ken Holland. We're a little far removed from the playoffs, so it's hard to remember. But Darnell Nurse did not have a good playoffs. I he don't was, think he had a great season. Man. He was he wasn't great defensively, and he that's where he struggled most is in his own end. And wasn't he hurt? Like he he, he was terrible. I think really, I think everybody's really a little hurt, and I think this at that point it's not really an excuse. I think it, that's where Jeff comes into point, play, right? Yeah, he was hurt to the point where it's like I don't know if you're one of the six best guys. Yeah, and, and I, he makes nine and a half mil for this season. You need Darnell Nurse to be better than what he was. Yes. You know, he struggled just mightily, and for that amount of money, I just hope Darnell Nurse steps up and is a little better of a player. Cody CC seems no to choice. have found a fit there. But you talked about it, Steve, and and I want to ask you guys both. That's a nightmare of a top pairing. Why? Uh, they they can't defend, and I know I said <laughs> they can move the puck. Uh, uh, Darnell Nurse is the they. Well, is, uh, like can, Cece's can, not the greatest at mm-hmm. that either. But don't we think because Darnell Nurse had from from day one top end talent, and I don't think he's com- he doesn't have to be completely done his development. He can't. The thing about defense is it is learned. 
right? right? right. It, it, you know, offense is to me, sometimes it's God given. Like it's crazy. Some people just have it. Defense, you can just learn and you can be grittier and you can be yeah. meaner and you can be more committed to it. Can you see that happening from Darnell Nurse, guys? Can you see him taking a step forward in that part I of the think, ice? I think for Darnell Nurse, it might be even more about systems because I don't even think he struggles a lot in like getting the puck out of his own zone or working offensively. It's a matter of him playing in his own defensive end and on rushes getting turnstiled enough or not making the right decision when he's along the boards and he's deep behind his own net. Like The, the real defensive aspect of the defensive game for Darnell, Darnell Nurse it seems to be where he gets most exposed. So I hope maybe uh, somebody on the coaching staff can work with him there and maybe develop a system where Darnell Nurse can play within that because he hasn't been good uh, this part of this, his career. To, to me, it's health. Um, like guys his age, I, I, he's in his mid-20s. 28. They, he's 28. Uh, he's, he's, he's getting there. He's getting there. But he's, he's in his prime. Guys at his age rarely have the worst season of their career and then – continue to get it worse. And I don't even know if you could call it the worst season of his career, but I mean, defensively, maybe you could, he just, he really got exposed. Mm -hmm. Um, having Ekholm back there, especially on the left side, uh, takes a huge burden off his shoulders and having that the whole season, instead of just from the deadline on, I think yeah. it's going to be huge. For yeah. Them. I think, uh, Barry was a little bit of a liability when he's added to that. Uh, defense pairings in there and yeah. I, ironically like that was a trade that was great for both, both. Uh, <laughs> both guys involved Evan Bouchard obviously got a lot more ice time and Barry was sneakily unreal in Nashville yeah he, he almost willed them to the playoffs with yeah. basically an AHL roster and we didn't we didn't mention the we didn't really spend a lot of time on the top six but that top six with the addition of Connor Brown. What for? It might be so good that the defense doesn't matter again. Right. You know, yeah. th there's a lot of times the Oilers play games, and who cares about defense? They're going to put up 100 goals. Is there any reason to think uh, we shouldn't expect at least 50 goals out of both both McDavid and Dreisaitl? Is there any reason to suspect we should... Uh, we, we should expect, you know, less than 130 points from McDavid, less than 100 and... 20? 15, 20 from, from and, Dreisaitl? And you're not even yeah. including the playoffs because playoff Leon Dreisaitl is... I, a, he's Nugent a, Hopkins yeah. had 100 points. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And the, be fast. It only got better. Like, Connor Brown, like, we haven't seen him play hockey in a year, but he's going to just thrive in this top six. I don't, I don't know if there's a better one in the National yeah, Hockey League. That is... Uh, those two guys have had a blessed career, man. <laughs> I'm in and Brown? Yeah, yeah. they have. Yeah. Uh, now, okay, here's the question, guys. Where do you have the Oilers finishing this year in the division? First. First, no hesitation. Uh, uh, you know, playoffs, yes, it's a different conversation. They're in the same division as the reigning defending Stanley Cup champions. Mm -hmm. This is a regular season conversation. First. Jesse Blake. I have them second. In the Whoa! Oh, I can't wait to see who you have first. I also have them in first in the regular season. Sharks? Do they break through in the playoffs? I guess it remains to be seen. With all the attention on Vegas and Edmonton, it's really weird to say this, but can I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team from Los Angeles in any sport get more ignored. Um, <laughs> this is a, you know this is a major market and a very very good team. The over under on their points is one hundred and one point five. Do you take the over or the under on the Los Angeles Kings this year, Jesse and Steve? I really like the Kings. I take the under though. Um, that's a lot of points, man. That's a lot of points for a team with a goalie tandem of who? We'll get into that. 
Jesse, what about you? <laughs> what do you got? 101, oh, 101 and a half? Yeah. I'll take over. You're going to take over? over. On that. Yeah. Wow. They had over last season. I don't expect them to take uh, much of a step back. Well, I I like them so much as a team. They're goal yeah. I, they're, I they were they were They were bad 24 months ago. So the change has been dizzying. It's hard not to call this team a contender to win the division or even maybe to win the cup an outside shot, but some things really do need to go right. We will start with, because Steve really wants to talk about it. Avoid the Oilers, the goaltending. <laughs> um, they were able to get rid of Cal Peterson, although they, they kind of got rid of him early last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and in his place, you have two goalies who a lot of people would be considered, uh, would consider to be backups. You had Ken Talbot who has had good years and bad years and guys, Listen, I got shit last year for saying Cam Talbot wasn't going to have a good year. He didn't. The consensus is that the best years are behind him. He was hurt. And yeah, he was, but he did, you know, he had a not great 898 save percentage in Ottawa, played a significant amount of games. How old is he? He's in his mid 30s. Cam Talbot's 36. 36. Yeah. Then you got Phoenix Copley, late bloomer, someone who hadn't played more than 27 games in a season until last year when he started 35. He won 24 of those games. Wow. Steve, I think I know the answer to this. So, Jesse, I'll start with you. Is that combo good enough to support a very good Los Angeles Kings team? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Like, Why? if I told you coming into the season, hey, uh, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hale are going to step up and carry a team to the Stanley Cup. Uh, it wasn't even victory. Logan Thompson. The guy got hurt. Yeah, and yeah. but, like, that's who they ran with starting the regular oh, right, season. Right, you know, right. they had Logan Thompson. That was their starter. It ended up with. being Brassois. Right? And they, I would have said, like, oh, yeah, they'll be out in, like, five or six. Yeah, that's your trio. Brassois, uh, Thompson. Thompson and Aiden Hill, and then you end up winning the Stanley Cup. That's fine. I feel like Phoenix Copley, Cam Talbot, Dave Riddich, and whoever else you want to bring in off the they waiver wire. I feel like that's enough. Like you'll find some goaltending in there. Just keep throwing shit at the wall, and you'll find goaltending in there. I, I think it's a fine tandem to get through the season, but I think they're just going to be looking to do exactly what they did last year, which was look for a goaltender. It does make you wonder if the Winnipeg Jets falter. Uh, if that rumored Connor Hellebuck to Los Angeles deal finally happens. And the beautiful thing about these two deals is that they left themselves room to do it. They're only 1.5, 1.5 for Phoenix Copley, a million for Cam Talbot. They're both UFAs at the end of this year. If they want to go get a long-term goalie in Connor Hellebuck, they have the room on their roster to do it. Nobody's locked up. Extremely movable contracts, yeah. Now, we we do need to talk about their, their big acquisition. There were a couple this year, but the biggest one was Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, what does he do to a team that's already featured Deneau and Kopitar at your top two? Centers? He gives them the best center depth in the league. Um, you know, maybe not uh, at the high end. I mean, that would certainly be... McDavid, Dreisaitl. Oh, I was going to say Nylander, Tavares. Oh, okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, uh, Definitely not McKinnon, though. Right, Producer Drew? Yeah. No. 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 Oh, no. <laughs> um, like, no, they're ridiculous. Um, I mean, uh, Kopitar, Deneau, Dubois, Byfield, if you really wanted to, but they're having him play the wing. I want to talk about him later, so don't go too far. Yeah, like, uh, they, they have a kind of interesting um, combo of uh, uh, experience and uh, youth. I, they did get rid of some of their depth uh, throughout the lineup mm -hmm. uh, in that Dubois trade, but they added high end, which is actually you know kind of something they've lacked. Right, and they do have some really good depth. You look at the Trevor Moore, Phil Deneau, Victor Arvidsson line. Oh, that'll be fun to play against. It's just so oh, annoying. Yeah, yeah. and team, by the way, good for Trevor Moore getting that big contract. Absolutely, the forward group is so deep. 
It is? Like, they are extremely well-balanced, and well-balanced teams thrive in the National Hockey League. Arthur Kaliev being in the top six after being rumored in, like, every Dubois trade over the summer is a pretty huge... Actually, having him on the same line as Dubois mm-hmm. is, a, is a pretty huge victory for the Kings. Do we get to talk about the most exciting part of the depth now? Uh, what? Carl Grunstrom. Quinton Byfield to the wing. Oh, like, first line. That's the, I think for me, that's the most exciting part of the LA Kings this year is seeing how Quentin Byfield can discover the new next level of his game, throwing him onto the wing now because they have these three great centers. You have a centerman who can now take advantage of becoming a winger. And just if you're a centerman, you have this extra amount of talent. And now that he's on the wing. Hopefully his game can mature in this next level. You know, I told these guys to hold off on the Quentin Byfield talk until later. But you know what? Keep going. This I think this is the time to well, talk it's, about. It's We're not. talking about it's not the I to go to a of, different... the, of the of the LA Kings. Blake well, so let's talk about this then. Uh, two names, Brant Clark and Jordan Spence. These are two and young Quentin defensemen. Byfield. There's not a and Quentin Byfield. These are two guys that are also in the young, young, uh, young and sort of overlooked conversation, unless you're an LA King fan. Um, the LA Kings defense doesn't have a single person on it over the age of 30, except for Drew Doughty. But Brant Clark is their their star in the waiting. And Jordan Spence, who finished 11th in AHL defense scoring last year, despite playing like 20 games less than the point leaders. Jordan Spence born in. No idea. New South Wales, Australia. Well, there you go. I thought you were going to say Alaska. Yeah. Who's, who's no. The, who's the Phoenix Copley <laughs> from <laughs> North Pole, Alaska. There it is. There it is. Uh, what are those guys? What are you looking for from those guys playing with a lot of veteran talent, but not overly old veteran talent? Again, look at the, the defense up on the screen there. Uh, and, and hold Gavrikov because we're going to talk about him next. Yeah. Well, I, I said what I said. Uh, like, you, they, they have great depth, but I think they do lack a little bit in the high end. Brand Clark's got a lot of hype there. Uh, come in and be a high-end player. Um, you're going to be sheltered. Um, they have enough guys that they don't need to completely throw you to the wolves. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do. He's got to be a big part of this team. Uh, two-year deal for Vladislav Gavrikov. Uh, pretty solid price for him because he wants to go even bigger when the cap goes up. He, he joins that young defense. What does he bring to LA's defense, and what does he... What do you need to see from him for them to be successful? Uh, proof that he is a $5 million defenseman. <laughs> Are you I not a believer? I, I know people think I'm nuts, and I know, I know we've, we've been a little bit hard on him, but I just, it felt like a little bit, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, he's like, fine. Like there's some hype there because he's, there's, there was he hype was there the because guy that was available. There was heart, there was hype there because there weren't a lot of guys available, and he made less than three million dollars. Like, that's it. Um, he's he's fine. He's fine. Um, but that is a lot of money taken up uh, when I don't know. Everyone's got to kind of pull their weight. Uh, we've seen teams kind of uh, not achieve the success they want when guys aren't necessarily pulling their weight. Uh, under a, a big uh, contract, and it's not a huge one, and it's only two years. Um, if they had to move it, I'm sure they could. But he's stepping in. You think, think he's going to play probably with Drew Doughty? Yeah. No, I I think. Uh, I mean, he's got to be really good um, so that they can do exactly what I just talked about, which is shelter a guy like Brant Clark, right? Uh, for example. Um, he might play a little bit of both sides, might add a little versatility there, so that, that can be good. Um, but again, this this team is is kind of going to thrive on their center depth rather Jesse, than their D. Jesse, what are your thoughts on the Gavrikov ad? 
I, I don't think five point eight million dollars is the same 5. as how 8. we as how we look at five point eight million dollars. To me, it's it's an okay deal. Like it's a little ex more expensive than we think, but it's not going to kill you. It's it's fine. They have the room to do it with Brant Clark making the lineup and being n- under nine hundred grand. Like they have the it's room good, to eh? spend yeah. a little, maybe a million dollar extra on Gavrikov, which I think is okay. And by yeah. the way, next year when the cap is you know six or seven percent higher, it may not. Even it's yeah. such yes. a non factor, right? Very true. Um, okay, so I'm mad, by the way. Why? They have a goalie on a PTO that we didn't mention. Who's that? Noted Alan Walsh client, JF Barube. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. How dare you? Do you think he can beat up Big Saved David? <laughs> yeah, actually. You, you do? <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe. Well, <laughs> so the Los Angeles Kings are an enigma, potentially the best center depth in the league outside of Edmonton and definitely not Colorado. Boo, boo hiss. Boo. Um, what do we think about? where they're going to finish this year, guys. In this division, it's a tough division. I really, really like that. This division, I think, is maybe the hardest to do in the league. I think so. Actually, like really underratedly. They have haves and have-nots. Like the line is, uh, it's really sharp. But uh, I don't think there's a ton uh, between the haves. I have the Kings fourth in this division that hurt you it hurt me because i think it is going to come across as an insult i think this division has five teams that could crack the final four they're killer which doesn't work i'm not a math whiz but i I know that doesn't work i think they're probably the new strongest division in the league Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse, what, right. Jesse, what do you have LA at? I won't spend as much time on this as Steve. Uh, I got them third. I also have them third. Okay, so we'll see where the Los Angeles Kings are at the end of the year. Um, I still feel like there's a Connor Hellebuck trade to be made there. I really, really do. It just makes so much sense. He said before the preseason, I'm going to win a cup, whether it's here or somewhere else. I'm going to win it. <laughs> there's no way they didn't discuss it when they were doing the Dubois trade. Had to, and I wonder if the pieces are there. So we'll see. The LA Kings. One of the great surprises of last year were the Seattle Kraken. This team did everything by committee, scoring, defense, goaltending, mm-hmm. and um, they did it like no other team we've seen, right? This is one of the few teams, too, that has a little bit of cap space to spend this year, about $4.5 million, which will be a weapon for teams uh, who are up against it this year. Um, they don't necessarily have a star, but the star in the making is Matty Beneers. Yes, and Shane Wright, potentially. Shane Wright, too. Yes, and we'll get to him in a bit, but we've seen Matty Beneers That's a, NHL level. If it's in the making, it's a slow roast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matty Beneers had 57 points for the Kraken last year. Um, obviously, this team is, like I said, defense by committee, offense by committee. But you would like to probably see more from him this year because you want to see improvement. What do you like about Matty Beneers' game, guys? And what do you want to see from him to equal or even best that total? Well, he's he's got high-end talent, right? Which they have uh, obviously lacked. The greatest player in franchise history is Jared McCann. <laughs> like, playing at well above, I think even his biggest fans ever predicted, certainly more than Kyle Dubas uh, ever predicted. Good, good on Kerfoot for, for getting that big contract in Arizona there, buddy. Um, and Justin Hall uh, for getting his big contract in Detroit. Uh, you're welcome for your team, uh, Seattle. Now, he, he, he has high-end talent, high-end scoring. He could be a game-breaker for them uh, so that they don't always have to do it by committee. Jesse. Yeah, that's that's the story with the Seattle Kraken. It's they do it by committee. It was 13 uh, players on the roster had more than 33 points. 
That is that's that's so really cool. wild. That but is but a, what what was the highest score? Uh, Jared McCann had seventy. He led seventy. The, it led the team who, seventy points. Who was their highest scoring defenseman? Go. Uh, oh, Vince Dunn. Mm-hmm. How many? Sixty-four. Nailed it. Yeah, yeah because I points. I just took him in my uh, NHL Network uh, little fantasy draft that I did there. Yeah. So, but but like the we, we were talking about how the Ducks last year couldn't score yeah. in a league where scoring is skyrocketing, and their top score I think had sixty-seven points. So the it would have been cr- Troy Terry, I think. Yeah. Troy Terry or Trevor Zegers. So the Kraken have a leading score with three more points than those guys, but they were miles mm-hmm. and miles better. It's just because everyone pulls yeah. their weight. The the thing about the Kraken is, yeah, everybody needs to contribute. And it's do we look at it and we say, hey, this can continue? You know, it's, it's a perfect storm to get this many players who are essentially a collection of other teams' cast-offs is what we saw with Vegas and now we see with Seattle that they're kind of better as together as they were on their individual performances on their other teams. But it's a perfect storm to get this whole thing to work, and I don't think necessarily that it's going to hit again. You yeah, know, yeah. The, the, well, so, they got Ellie Tolvin in for a whole season. So last season, nobody in the National Hockey League scored more five on five goals than the Seattle Kraken. They led the wow. league in five on five goals, but on the power play, they're twenty first. When you have, I believe it. When you have real scoring. You can score in any situation. You score on you score in the power play. You score on even strength. You score on four on four, or even strength as well. But. Um, the Edmonton Oilers are a situation where in every single category of scoring, they're in the top five. Because they have high-end scoring. Because they have high-end scoring. So we're asking the Seattle Kraken to replicate what they did last year, again with no high-end scoring, and I'm not going to make that bet. That's fair. Also, just looking at that uh, HockeyDB page causing me physical pain. 40 goals for Jerry McCann. Arrest Kyle Dubas. (laughs) Oh, I know. And now he's on the Penguins! Yeah. The team that they got him from! Ah! Hey, this is about the Kraken. I don't care. It's about the Kraken. One thing for me that that Jesse, I think I make I think you make a really good point there. But I look at those guys, that collection of quote unquote castoffs, and all of those guys were valuable players at the teams they came from, but you know, you have to expose somebody. Their career averages are in line with what they scored for the Kraken this year, which is why I think they will repeat. And one guy that I'm really looking at to have a really great year is Andre Burakowski. If you saw on the sheet there, he only played 49 games. He still had 40-something points. If that guy can put up 60, 65 points, I think this team is a lot better. I like him on the power play. Uh, I've always liked his game, and I think he adds an element that they really missed this year or this past year when he was injured. You You noticed when he was out of the lineup. Now, the, the, the big question mark for me and why I don't have Seattle rated higher is Philip Grubauer and Chris Dreiger. Dreiger? Dreiger. 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 You know, yeah. no one knows how to pronounce his name properly. Let's get into his stats, though. Okay? Sure. Here we go. Uh, nine wins, 14 losses, 899 save percentage, and a 296 save percentage. Philip Grubauer, the starter, uh, he had 17 wins, 14 losses, 285 goals against average and an 895 save percentage. They're missing their key starter, Martin Jones. Well, don't sleep on Joey Decord. I was going to okay. say, too. Uh, he had decent numbers in the minors and uh, in a cup of coffee in the NHL. He was pretty good. So here's the thing. They, and, you know, we're talking about can they or can they, can't they or... Can they or can't they? Mm-hmm. Thank you. No problem. Uh, repeat what they did last season. They got almost 30 wins out of Martin Jones. And you look at his numbers, like, it's not like he... Oh, his numbers weren't good. No, he wasn't. Like, 
He'll be he'll be on waivers before the season starts. They might get him back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like they 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 got like twice as many wins as losses uh, out of uh, goalie who was below league average. So that's why I think what they did last season is repeatable. Um, Jesse brought up a ton of valid points. Uh, it's just I, I'm sorry they got twenty eight wins you're, out of Martin Jones. You're asking you're asking McCann to score forty goals again. I, I think they can pick it up by committee. The, uh, Tolvanen had, uh, I think it was 16 goals in 48 games. I was, I was looking at your sheet there. I think Shane Wright uh, can play on this team. We'll see. Beneers is going to take a, a, a step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do lose Daniel Sprong, so that hurts a little bit. How about Jordan Eberle this late in his career, still like really producing points? Mm-hmm. He's only 32. Yeah. 11 points in 14 he's, he's playoff games. Shouldn't have got rid of him. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I'm on Adam's side, and I think the goaltending is shaky. Like, we saw Grubauer have a good run with Colorado, producer Drew. Like, he was he was good That's there. Been, and, um, and now in two seasons in, in Seattle, like, I would say that was one of the big reasons they lost in the second round. I agree. You know, I like, he, he was their starter in the playoffs, and he wasn't that impressive. Um, they were fourth in goals for in all the NHL last year. 18th, Unbelievable. 18th in goals against. Yep. That's still bang average. It's it's bang average, but for a playoff team, you need to close that delta. You need to get you need to get that up into the maybe twelfth. I agree. Then you're then you're safe. If you if you can finish in that many goals for and twelfth goals against, you're laughing. I I do think that this management group um at some point is gonna get itchy feet and they're gonna try to make a move to uh, get much better. Uh, wonder if they Connor Hellebuck, been... we mentioned Connor Hellebuck in the other preview. Is that not a perfect fit for this team too? Dude, that would be incredible. I, I don't know. At some point you got to make your move. And uh, at some point you got to look at your division and go, Jesus, we're surrounded by monsters. Uh, it wouldn't be the worst idea to get a top five goalie in the league. It's funny. I'm looking at uh, the, this team as well. And, and I, I want to, there's two teams in this division who have benefited from St. Louis completely screwing up what they should have done with their defense. They, they, St. Louis has a good team, but they should still be great. And the reason that they are not is they lost Petrangelo because they chose somebody else over him. Mm-hmm. And Vince Dunn famously couldn't crack the lineup or, or keep it on board in St. Louis. Look, had 64 points last year. I'm wondering if this guy eventually becomes an outside sleeper Norris nominee. Wow. I mean, he's, he's definitely going to be... Someone you could pick up in fantasy. Oh, he's a great, yeah. Because yeah. uh, it's it, it's the quietest 64-point season from any defenseman ever. Like, no no one knew it was happening while no, it happened. No one's talking No one about knows it. now. Like, yeah, we're not talking about him uh, the, the way that we ought to. Um, and he's, he's not uh, the liability that a lot of players who, or a lot of defensemen who put up those kind Boy, of that, points are. Boy, that defense, Dunn, Larson, Alexiak, Borgen, Dumoulin, and Schultz, doesn't look that strong on on paper, but yeah. they play a good system. But guy, I think, guy, guy, <laughs> I think guy, that. Guy, contri- but guy. I think that contributes a lot to where they finished in goals against last season. Their defense isn't that strong, and the goaltending isn't really there. And then you're asking the forward group to also to lead the league again in five on five goals. Like you're asking, I feel like we asked so much of the Kraken that I'm just going to take the bet that the ask falls a little short of where they were last year. That or. Uh, a lot of teams that are analytically inclined uh, think they're smarter than you. Yep. Uh, some of them are. Some of them aren't. 
I think the Kraken are. This is a very <laughs> good team in a very competitive division. Vegas, LA, Edmonton, very likely Calgary are going to be a challenge as well. How do you think they finish in this year's Pacific Division? I'm going to start. I've done Steve a bunch. Jesse Blake, set the tone. Where do you have the Kraken? They're going to be fighting for a wild card spot, which will be fifth place in the Pacific Division. Uh, I agree with Jesse. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but fifth. I think uh, I think a little bit more of them than you guys do, which may be to my detriment. But I do have them in fourth place, just ahead of the Flames. Again, I agree. I think wild card for sure. But I think this division is so tough. The Kraken are a top three team in another division. One in spot my ahead of my pick? Yeah. Get out of here. I'm sorry. I know it's crazy. And we will see how they do. Uh, they were bad last year, but they had a huge highlight in Norris Trophy winner Eric Carlson. Mm. They finally made the deal that everybody was expecting this offseason, and the Sharks get a little cap relief. But remains to be seen uh, how they kind of use all that to improve their roster for the future. Uh, they're over under. Can you take a wild stab in the dark, gentlemen? 75. Uh, <laughs> for points on this Sorry, season? no. Jeez, no. Steven. Uh, 74.5. Okay. Jesse. You said it would be nice, so I'm going to get 69 and a half. 66 and a half. Is the over under no. the docks? Under the docks. Yeah, where are you getting the seventy uh, from? Oh, yeah. sorry. I have this wild thing where I think they're going to get three more wins than you do. <laughs> That's all. You got, like, what did you say? Seventy-seven? No, it's and a half. Oh, 74 and a half. Yeah. Oh. So you guys are taking the over on that? No, it's bad. On wait, sixty-six point five. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm taking the over. Okay. No. So they. So point producer, producer Drew pointed out before <laughs> we started this segment that they have three guys on their roster who have four. no four guys who have no stats. That's just their forwards. Yeah. Scroll down to the D. They have another one. Oh, wow. Jan Ruda. <laughs> hey, that's disrespectful to Jan Ruda. Uh, <laughs> that's just the that's just the numbers though. How uh, dare okay, you. so listen. Have um, fun filling in uh, for Eric Carlson. No pressure. The goal <laughs> is to be bad now for the Sharks to get better later. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Sharks fans fan, what things are you looking for from today's team? So you know we in our preview for the Ducks uh, hammered them for I mean like I don't even think they're going to try to compete. Um, whereas the Sharks have enough young guys, enough projects, enough veterans uh, with like an axe to grind or like a chip on their shoulder, something to prove that they're at least trying stuff. They're trying an abundance of stuff at an abundance of positions and whatever works will either stick on the roster or get you a boatload at the trade deadline. Like, I think they're going to be worth watching. Okay. If that makes it. They're they not going to be good. They won't be depressing like the Ducks last year. They will be interesting to watch. Okay. Now, here are the two goaltenders, guys. Mm -hmm. We got Mackenzie Blackwood, okay. who had uh, 10 wins and six losses and, and two overtime losses, a 320 and an 8-3-8. Uh, which are not great numbers. Capo Kakin. Eight, eight, three, eight? Eight, three, eight. <laughs> Sorry. Eight, eight, nine, three. Sorry, you know how I am. Imagine eight. Whoa. Three. Uh, no, I can't. Well, and, and not to make it more complicated, but guess who has a 3.85 and an 8.83? That'd be Capo Kakin. Yeah, he was. Uh... He was a pretty big return in that Jacob Middleton trade for the Sharks, and he was not great. Not great. So. That's not cool. They're two. It's they're two maybes. It's hard to blame goaltending when the rest of the team is so bad. It but, is. But Blackwood true. was bad on a good team. 
and preach. Oh, you mean in New Jersey? Yeah, on a bad a, team. Yeah, he was. He was a New Jersey. No, he, yeah, he had a couple of good years in New Jersey where it was like a nine fifteen ish. They're both like, babies. No, but yeah. I'm just talking last year. Like it's what have you done for me lately? Yeah, oh, nine fifteen. Right, right. The last time he was over a nine hundred save percentage was 2020, 2021. The last time he was at a nine fifteen, Jesse, mm-hmm. is 2019, 2020. Uh, the last bad. couple of years, eight nine three and eight nine two. Now, last um, year, the Devils were actually good. So Mackenzie Blackwood, though, 26 years old. Like, he's been around for, for so long since that 2018 season. It seems like he's a little older than that. There's still time for Blackwood to figure this out. And on a rebuilding Sharks team, like, I could see him finding his groove again. They're both maybes. Yeah. yeah. He, he might find his groove. Kakinen, you know, might take a step. Uh, and if they don't work out... There's just not a ton at stake there. Yeah, yeah. This, it's a perfect situation for these two goalies, and it's perfect for the Sharks because you get two relatively young goalies, middle-aged by NHL standards, and they get to try and figure out their games again. And there's no pressure on them because if they're not good, then yay, we get a better draft pick. If they are good, hey, we might have something for the future or a trade asset. Young right. goalies. You know, there's a middle-aged by NHL standards, but young for goalies. Yes, young for goalies because there's a, a team in this division named the Los Angeles Kings. They, they play in the same state as the San Jose Sharks. And what do they need, Jesse? They might need a goaltender at some point in this season. And if you found something here with Kakinen or Mackenzie Blackwood, that's a great trade Imagine piece. Imagine that's and, the solution. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, it might work hey, it out. Phoenix wow. Copley last year. Yeah. Good point. And like, if, if you get some draft assets for one of these goalies, then that's a success on the season for the Sharks. Great. Now, uh, Logan Couture is possibly not at full health to start the year. Thomas Hurdle uh, has his mega extension kicking in. They are are they tradable in the next twelve months or at thirty two and twenty nine years old and making a lot of money, both around in the eight to nine million dollar mark? Do you use those guys as the vets who will mentor the younger players over the next three to four years? I mean, no, Hurdle's not a chance. Like, I mean, he's he's going to be the the mentor. Couture, there's a chance. I don't think it's a very good one. Not now. Yeah, probably not now. You probably have him as a mentor now. I mean, he is all of their worst decisions, right? Like, it's just a good player signed to too much for too long. You got three players. He's 34, and he's got got four years left. Hurdle, Couture, and Vlasic, who is 36, they just, are responsible for $23 million yeah. on this cap. But the and, thing is, and the, with Hurdle, they just did the same thing. Yeah, They did the same thing. The, it's a different guy in charge now. They did the same shit. The rest of the lineup, there's a whole bunch of UFAs. You have to have somebody play with the team. So I think like you, yeah. you have you're gonna hold on to Hurdle and Couture and Vlasic because you're gonna get rid of the rest of the guys, right? And the, you know the guys you're talking about are good de- deadline depth pieces: LeBanc, Hoffman, Luke Kunin, Alex Barabanov, and Oscar Lindblom. Just some of the names that are coming up. Who, who's UFA. a good deadline piece? Uh, Barabanov. Barabanov. Just just <laughs> Adam for a million dollars. Uh huh. Who did the Leafs get for Alexander Barabanov? I don't have a. Mil- I, I'm not gonna make a million dollars today. Jesse. I was looking it up. I have no idea. And anyone watching, Ansi Swamella. Cool. There it is. See, this is why. Listen, that's a. But he did right by the player, though. Stop doing right by the player. <laughs> <laughs> stop it. Just stop. Okay, so listen, the the it it's not great, um, but there is a potentially great storyline for the San Jose Sharks last year or this year. They had one last year with Eric Carlson, obviously. 
This year, to me, it's Philip Zadina, who is one of the more interesting NHL storylines of the year. He walked away from $4 million guaranteed from the Wings over the next two years to sign a much smaller deal with a lot more opportunity upside in, in San Jose. What does he need to do to not only find his next contract, but make good on his fifth overall draft position? This guy was supposed six. to be a top six guy. Yeah. Okay. Six. He, he was top six. He was six. Now, there you go. <laughs> How does he get there? What does he actually need to do? Because it didn't work out at all in Detroit. I mean, he's he's got to score like a player worth caring about. You know what I mean? Uh, and he couldn't pull that off in Detroit. Who? That's not necessarily an insult to the Red Wings, but like they've needed a player like him to work out. And he didn't work out there. They tried to put him in a position to succeed. Mm -hmm. But now it's him versus the world. Right. Right. If you can't like the, the 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 motivations couldn't be more clear. Um, he's fighting for a position to stay in the league. Uh, he's fighting for uh, finances. Yeah. If this doesn't work out for him, he just lit hundreds of thousands of dollars no, on fire. Millions, millions. He made some of it back with the Sharks. But not all. Well, he's making a million one this year. Yeah. He walked away from four. So well, a million. Yeah, long term. You're right. You're right. So he lit millions of dollars on fire. If this doesn't work out, I am I'm not sure how many more players in the league should be more motivated than Philip Satina right. uh this season. Um, you know, there's really there, there are some cool younger guys like William Eklund is going to be really fun to watch. Hey, that's he, that's the one I wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah because he, he could be like saying? a sneaky a sneaky Calder pick. Yeah, maybe because um, Daily Faceoff didn't have him in the lineup there on the on the line combinations, but Eklund I think deserves it should make this team. It's a, it's about time. He's a 2021 draft pick. He was seventh overall, and there's a lot of promise there for Eklund, and that's somebody who's going to be a part of the future of the San Jose Sharks because. We talked about other rebuilding teams. You build that core of the future, and you got to have those guys now. So in five years, when we're ready to compete, hopefully less, they're around. And William Necklin could be that guy. And sneaky Calder pick if you want an outside shot. I had to check and make sure he was still eligible. He is. Yes. Yeah. He yeah. He's only played 17 games. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, so it's 20 it, years old. Yeah. It's finally time for him to graduate to the NHL. Like we've had enough of your development curve here, Mr. William. It's get into the NHL. He signed with the right damage. team because they do have some offensive punch up front, assuming Couture is healthy. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So they're not like, like if you go to the Ducks, man, like there's nobody's going to score there. They should right? score some power play. They goals. should go. They should like, score some goals. Zadina should get his opportunity. Yeah. Duclair right? can score. Hoffman can score. You know, five on five. Are they going to be great at that? No, probably not. Yeah, and <laughs> and if you're wondering why people are kind of hyped on on Eklund last year in the AHL for the uh, Barracuda, forty one points in fifty four games. There you and go. And you know me, I'm very high on Swedish people named William. There, you <laughs> that is true. All, All right. Boom. With that said, <laughs> gentlemen. That said, where do you have him in the division? We'll start with Steve. Uh, I came in here thinking for sure eighth. And then we talked about how bad the Ducks were. Like, the, the Sharks, are they're, they're going to be watchable. Um, there's going to be a lot of motivated players on the team. That said, they just don't have a ton of talent. So I'm going to put them seventh. Jesse. I got seventh. I also have seventh. Hard to see them anywhere else. The betting odds for the Vancouver Canucks in terms of points this year. Can you guess what it is? Ooh, 89.5. Jesse. I think the betting market has it a little higher, so 
I'm going to go 94 and a half. Steve was closer. 88 and a half is oh. the oh. number. Uh, one of the biggest payrolls in the NHL already, and we haven't even played game one. Everyone thought this team uh, would begin a quick rebuild now or even last season to surround Hughes and Pedersen with other young talent. They didn't go that way. They even flipped a first round pick to Detroit for Philip Ronick, who have, they have not signed to an extension. That's noted Alan Walsh client. Absolutely. You look at the Canucks and you think, okay, you can do this, right? You can do this. I feel like you can do this, but then you look at you the rest. You have to squint every time with the Canucks. Like they're not and, bad. This is they, the thing. You look at the rest of the division and you go, you can do this, but can you do it against those guys you the way i see it you gotta kick out one of at least one of edmonton vegas la seattle and calgary well that's mathematically that is true and you would think okay yeah we can maybe take on calgary can you do two i don't i don't know that they can do two I'm not sure. Now, the Horvat versus... I don't know if that math. <laughs> that would be the exact math. Those are the only teams. You have to kick one of them out. Um, if five teams make it, you got to kick one of them out. <laughs> uh, Horvat versus Miller. That situation is five, gone. Five teams didn't make it last year. Bo Horvat is... If the, five teams make it! <laughs> and they're going to. Uh, it, oh, yeah. You guys are so sure? I think, I, think, I think the Flames and the Kraken are in the playoffs. Yes. I think that this division is so strong that five teams make it. I think they got both wild card slots. That's my opinion. Horvat versus Miller. That situation is gone. There was a lot of tension. Somebody didn't show up to somebody else's birthday party. It was very upsetting for all. Didn't even get their loot bag. Miller is now the highest paid player on the team with the longest contract. What do you need to see from JT Miller? Let's just talk about him. Okay. For the Canucks to be successful. Because remember, they signed an extension with him last season. I need him to be uh, as good as he can be. Um, and it's not because he doesn't know hockey. It's... Uh, because he hasn't always had an attention to detail. Um, he's been lazy uh, at times. He has on what though? He's he always on scored. the back end. Yeah, he always he's always going to score. I mean, he can be a lazy player and still put up 80, 90 points. That's a ridiculous thing. And he's not a bad defensive player when dialed. Him and Elias Pettersson together on the penalty kill was probably the scariest duo in the back, I would say, quarter of the season. They scored so many shorthanded goals, got so many shorthanded opportunities. He's just got to buy in. And I don't think Rick Tockett is going to put up with uh, his shit. And that's good. You, you need this guy who can be, frankly, your team's best player to actually perform like your team's best player. Jesse Blake. You mentioned the penalty, the penalty kill there, and I think that's an important story of JT Miller's season because the Vancouver Canucks last season finished dead last on the penalty kill. Ooh, and in terms of defensively overall and goals per game, goals against per game, they were 25th. That's crazy because this roster seems too talented for that. Exactly. Game. and I'm I think, not going to hang that on him. The, no. You know, their, their D was terrible. Their goaltending was terrible. Right. And I think a lot of that comes down to the coaching aspect of it. And I think Rick Tockett knows what he's been brought in to do. And if you look... Look at that. Oh, since he's been uh, the head coach of the Canucks, uh, under uh, for the whole season, they were 38, 37, and 7. Under Rick Tockett, they were 20, 12, and 4. I don't know. Are we going to fall for this again? I think. Th we'll look at, okay, look at the splits with Gre Travis Green and Bruce Boudreaux. 
Yeah, but this if, if we get here to the point where we have a team that's playing a great defensive system, we know what's wrong. This team was fantastic offensively. We know they can score. Now it's about getting a coach in there who they have now who can get them to play a strong defensive game. And Bruce Boudreaux wasn't that. He was a... He was a um, Loosey-goosey. <laughs> he was different from Travis Green in that he got them to play better offensively, and that didn't turn out to be the problem. And they had to move on from him and bring in a defensive coach. So I think now that you have this... You you can get JT Miller playing in a great system where they're going to be better defensively. And that's the only problem they have. There is the, also the possibility that we're overthinking the Canucks and maybe they just set themselves up where they had one little Jenga piece at the bottom. And if you take that out, you're completely boned and it happened. Thatcher Demko got hurt. Brr, the whole tower falls down. Now they have Casey DeSmith who is not the greatest, but like he's an NHL goal. You know what he is. And Spencer Martin just was asked to do far too much. Mm -hmm. That guy is a third goalie who can fill in as a backup sometimes. Like he should, he should be giving you like five, six starts a year. Um, Not basically uh, be your team starter for big chunks of time. I have serious questions about Rick Tockett as a coach. I didn't understand it at the time. I still don't understand it now. His career record in the NHL is 125, 131, and 34. He's made the playoff one time with Arizona in 2019, 2020, uh, and that was the that was the funny year where you know we had to do the the COVID year where there was the play in, so they didn't uh, even play yes. good enough to make the playoffs in a real season that year. Right, and and I just to me it's like I know that I know it's like well they got this new guy Rick Tockett, and my question is so what. And it doesn't mean that Rick Tockett is a bad coach. I just haven't seen it. The results haven't been there. With Tampa Bay 15 years ago, with Arizona from the mid-2010s to the to 2019, 2020, or whenever he stopped coaching there, I don't understand why they went with this guy. I'm not sure what this guy is good at. So it's he's a bit of a wild card for me. I'm open to him being spectacular. I just haven't seen it yet. I don't think he's ever had this talent. Right. And I think the the results are there from when he was there. Like they've had a they had a very good record when he was with the Canucks. And what he does is he he plays great shutdown hockey and he they brought in two players, um, Ian Cole and Carson Soucy, who their whole thing is being defensive, great defensively and shutting down the top pairs on the other team. And I think having those two guys brought into the system where Rick Tockett can deploy them to play just good defensively mm-hmm. solves a lot of the issues for the Canucks. And getting rid of OEL is such a, oh, a great a, addition yeah. by subtraction. So he's, I love him. He's one of my underrated yeah. guys. I, I think he's a great player. I think Phil Hronick is, is better than mm-hmm. people give him credit for because he played on bad Detroit teams. But you know, that's a guy that Detroit moved on from because they had more eight cider and they didn't they wanted to, you know, grab a first round pick because who can blame them? That's a really, really good player that not enough. I think people talk about. Yeah, he, he brings, oh, yeah. you know, him playing with Quinn, Quinn Hughes, who is unbelievable, uh, who is young. That's going to be an exciting power play. Um, He's got to be in his bonnet. What is what does Quinn Hughes need to be to be a successful captain? He's a young guy. This team is an iffy team at best, uh, at least from what it, what it looks like right now. Uh, for him to be, it seems like to, for him to be anything less than a Norris candidate, because um, he seems to have to do everything for these guys, it, it's going to be seen as not a good season. This is the thing. I don't look at it as something Quinn Hughes has to do. I think he's uh, living up to his end of the bargain. Um, he does everything. He does too much for this team. He does far too much. Uh, if they can shelter him 
from like certain defensive things. Like, I, I mean, at the end of the day, he's your number one guy. You're going to have to put him into those situations. But if you're putting him in situations where he's, you know, got to fight off a 225 pound guy in front of the net, it's it all the time. It's not going to go well for you. He can't be in charge of uh, completely running your offense and that. Carson uh, Susie's 6'5", 210. Oh, yeah. They solved a lot of problems. There you go. And Tyler Myers' contract is up soon, too, so they may be able to free up some cap space around him with some talent at the end of the year. What they what they got to do is uh, keep it loosey-goosey uh, to distract from... <laughs> I mean, there's, there's two pretty big clouds hanging over the Canucks right now. Elias Pettersson doesn't have a contract, uh, and uh, they're uh, not cap compliant. <laughs> right. So before we get to the cap thing, I do want to talk about Patterson. At the time we're recording this, they're not. All right. Uh, he's That's 20, true. Patterson is 24 years old. He went for the shorter deal last time. So you have to expect that he may go for a longer-term deal. However, there's you could see him going either way, right? Do you go with the Austin Matthews where you do a four-year deal mm. and you make as much money as you can, given that he's an RFA? Uh, or do you secure the bag given his injury history? Because he has had significant injuries in his young career. If this guy sticks around and he's healthy, like if he's around for four or five more years, he's in the top 10 in Canucks scoring all time, no question. Yeah, if, if McDavid ever isn't McDavid, he might win a heart trophy. Like yeah. that's the ceiling wow. for Elias Pettersson. Like it's, good? it's a double digit deal. It's, it's a, a double digit deal. It's a double digit deal. Okay, all right. What do the Canucks need to do to make him believe? Uh, help him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, like, I think this team is capable of scoring goals. Um, they got to keep the puck out of their net. Um, they, they, uh, uh Thatcher Demko's got to show that he can stay healthy and be a top half starting goalie in the league, which he's capable of. Yeah. We, we have evidence of that and the D needs to be better. Okay. So when the trade deadline rolls around this year, guys, are the Canucks buyers or sellers? Where do you have them in the division? Uh, I mean, if they are sellers, they're not going to be in the worst position. They have guys like Anthony Beauvillier. Maybe they'll be able to sell and get under the cap. Um, to, to me, like, I feel like, yeah. I, I, I was about to say I'd like to see the Canucks buy now so that they can be more competitive in this unreal division. But, like, they, they don't have any space. So they're, as always, in a really tricky unpredictable spot in the middle of the pack. So where do you have them? Sixth okay. uh, oh. in, in the division. And, and I don't and that's think only ahead bad. of the Ducks and Sharks for you. Yes, wow. which sounds horrible, but are they better than the Kraken? No. It's debatable, possibly. Are they better than the Flames? No. Possibly. A lot would have to go right for them, and a lot would have to go wrong for the Flames again. Are they better than the Kings? No. Demko would have to stand on his head, and their goaltending would have to be terrible. Vegas? No. Edmonton? No. Well, there you go. Jesse, where do you have them? You guys speak very definitively for two people who don't know what's going to happen. I have the uh, Vancouver Canucks in fourth in division fighting what? for a uh, wild card. Yeah. Wow. What, have you seen into the future there, freaking Don? I, I'm not oh, sure you speak either. very definitively for a guy who doesn't know. That's where I, I think have the them. the Canucks are going to end up in freaking... <laughs> that's where I have them, and you guys are very sure that that's not going to happen, but we will see. Do you have them in the playoffs? Fourth would be wild. Well, it depends on how the other division plays. Yeah, out, but so. you know the same. No, but that's not what we're doing. We're, okay. we're ranking them based on the division, and I have them finishing fourth okay. in the division. That is a bold prediction, Jesse Blake. We'll see with the Vancouver Canucks. The talent is there. You it's, haven't said yours. Oh, sorry. Uh, I have them in sixth. 
um, oh. <laughs> because I don't think they're better than Edmonton, LA, Vegas, Seattle, or Calgary. But again, we've seen Calgary's seasons several times in the last few years go sideways. So the Canucks for sure could jump ahead of them. I'm a big believer in what the Kraken are doing. So I have the Canucks in sixth. Not bad, but not great either. At some point, they're going to have to go one way or the other. They're going to have to get much better or much worse. If they finish sixth again and they finish just outside of the playoffs again, I'm not sure how it helps them. Rick, there it is. So... <laughs> There it is. The champs! And Woo! go back to the end of the regular season last year, really where everybody had them, they're the kind of the surprise champs, right? As Jesse said, to start last postseason, I'm quoting him, say? the Vegas Golden Knights are what, Jesse? What? I don't know. What did I say? You said they were mid, and that's what was... No, but it was good. That, good yeah, thing. yeah. I'm not saying don't, it was Don't bad. put... Hey, it was a good thing. No, no. Okay. I, listen... <laughs> I, and, and, and it yes, was because they were mid in goals for, yeah. mid in goals against, mid in every other category, in goaltending especially. And look at that. Mm -hmm. They go and they win the cup because they steamrolled, dominated every opponent, with the exception of the Oilers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the argument was the balance that they had just being... Oh, just being good to great at every single category of their team was the way to win playoff hockey, it was and it worked out. hugely beneficial. They got now, what they needed. They, they played heavy, got some saves, and got some big playoff performances. Now, what would you say their over-under in points is this year? 103.5. Jesse? I know they finished 110 points last year. Um, so I'm going to say this market's at 105 and a half. Steve nailed it. 100, yeah! 103 and a half. Hey, Finally! I think that's an over, right? I'm going to take over. That's got to be an over. Uh, mm, They had 110 points last year. Yeah, but like you go to the cup and you maybe take a little step back. You guys bring are back always the entire oh, yeah. roster. They brought back everybody yeah, that's healthy. Yeah, but guys are hurt. Who's hurt? Well, like, but they're hurt in... I'm, they're not hurt in Landis Cog ways. No, they're hurt in I'm sleepy ways. It's different. There's oh. there's the cup hangover for most teams. We, we forget Bay? that that's a thing because of Tampa Bay, but it affects most teams. But oh, they yeah. have depth and they have line uh. strength like Tampa Bay did. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, that's the thing. We have an outlier team again, and they did it, and they won the cup, and they literally lost one piece in Riley Smith, who was an OG misfit. It's a shame yeah. that he's no longer on the team, but they replaced him. They got Ivan Barbashev uh, at the trade deadline, and now they re-signed him, and he's on the team. So that's the replacement. They have one piece missing from a cup team. That's so not fair. Everybody's back? Yeah. I don't know how you don't look at them and say, hey, cup favorites. And also, it doesn't look like Robin Leonard. Oh, gonna, I didn't say they're not. It doesn't look like Robin Leonard's going to play ever again. No. So they have that LTIR space if they do want to upgrade. And I feel like, listen, nothing against Chandler Stevenson, but you do feel like maybe the center position is a spot that they might want to look at. This team is a little bit older than everybody thinks. Um, and there are some players like Petrangelo who are up there, who's up there. Marcia so is on the last year of his deal. Alec Martinez on the last year of his deal. Chandler Stevenson on the last year of his deal. I'm wondering, and this is going to seem like a bold question, but is this already the last year for these guys in this room to get this done again? Dude, uh, I was I was right there with you. I, I was going to take it a step further. Um, like the Vegas Golden Knights are ice cold, ice cold. Vicious Their decisions, with yeah. Almost all of those guys you just mentioned, they could trade them. Absolutely, they they could trade if they, them. If and they trade Marcia, so it's going to break my heart. I don't 
Oh man, Him I was about Carlson to say Riley Smith, man. Like the OGs. I wouldn't even let myself say I don't see them doing it to him. They did it to Flurry. Yeah, they anything that could make this team better, uh, which could potentially be trading a pending UFA. Mm-hmm. They're going to do. What now, the, was... the, the cap space you get from from losing a guy to free agency is valuable to them, but I I could see them moving guys if they have to. Steve, around what day was the cup awarded? June 20th, 20th. They traded Riley Smith on June 28th. You wow. don't you don't think they could trade one of these guys? Yeah. They're in it to win it the cup the cup every single year. So all of that's on the table and they're gonna try and be the best they can at all points. So I don't know why you would ever bet against the Vegas Golden Knights ever again. Well, especially when they when they make the moves that they make. And you're right. Yeah. I mean, this is the this is a team that uh gets itchy feet uh at the slightest slightest little bit of trouble with certain players one question i have guys is um obviously we i want to talk barbershop i want to talk about some of this stuff but jack eichel for me mm-hmm. didn't play a full 82 played 67 the year before he played 34 if healthy can this guy finally be a sleeper pick to be in the top five in nhl score oh absolutely Absolutely. But again, like he's exactly the sort of player I'm talking about. He played a mostly full season, pretty banged up though, did miss some time, goes through a long playoff run, and he doesn't have the greatest track record of this. Like how many games is he even going to play, right? Your question is valid. If he plays a full 82, absolutely he could finish in the top 10, top 5 in scoring. But my faith in that happening is low because I just don't think that's a priority for the Vegas Golden Knights organization. It's not a priority to have any of their guys play a full 82 if they don't need to. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, Mark Stone, Petrangelo, any of these guys, if they need some time off and they're not like completely fighting for their playoff lives, they'll give it to them. Jesse, same question about Jack. What do you think about Jack Eichel in... Because, you know, he he played on some terrible Sabres teams when he was healthy, comes back from this neck injury that was debilitating, has had point-of-game seasons both of the last two, but 34 games and 67 games. So... Where do you see him this year, and how important is he to their success in the regular season? I think the the playoffs were a bit of a coming out party for Jack Eichel. You know, he had twenty six points in twenty two games, Isn't which that is wild? absolutely Crazy. unreal. And yeah, for somebody who's been in the league that long to ha- actually have him have a coming out party on that big of a stage, second overall pick, still cool coming to out see, party. You know, but I don't know. I ever believed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think Steve's right in that you don't need to push guys to the limit during the regular season because it is a lot of games. How many games? 82! <laughs> but Jack Eichel, I think, has still a lot to prove. And that's why I'm, I believe so much in the Vegas Golden Knights. They're somebody who... That's a when, wild thing to say. When the average that. person, well, the average hockey fan, I should say, looks at his resume and they say, okay, Jack Eichel, he's 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 still what we think of him in Buffalo, even though he got it done with Vegas. He's never really had that standout regular season year. I'm sure Jack Eichel's coming here fired up. You oh know, coming God. off that Stanley Cup, they all want to repeat. I can see him going out and having a banger season. Me too. I feel like that's that's interesting. Now, Ivan Barbashev was uh, one of the players that the Leafs tried to get at the trade deadline. They ended up with Achari and O'Reilly. They tried to get Barbashev too. He ends up in Vegas, wins a cup, and is sticking around for a really long time at a very reasonable contract. $5 million per year for the next five years. He's 27 years old. You get him in his prime. What does he bring to them over a full regular season? I mean, he's a Vegas Golden Knight through and through. Um, just a brick shit house 
um, <laughs> capable of, of playing heavy hockey, mm-hmm. scores goals. Uh, he ran over Radko Gudis. He's not a defensive liability. Like, And, you know, you might look at him and say all of his skills are kind of mid. Like, they're not necessarily <laughs> top end. They're not necessarily elite. He, is, is he the best or top five at anything that he does well? Like, but he does he, a lot of things well. Like, amongst his peers? Like, yeah. amongst the Golden Knights? <laughs> like, like, no, no, like, no, like Golden Knights. I'm talking the league. I mean, barely. Like, it's, it's, uh, he's, he's just a really strong all around player. He can play multiple positions yeah. too. Put him anywhere in the lineup. Wing, center, like he's just so versatile and of course Vegas got him in a reasonable number. Of course. Now the other thing we got to tell you is that there are really great players on this team that we haven't mentioned. You know, sometimes sometimes when you're doing this you're like, yeah, everybody knows about Connor McDavid. I don't need to talk about him. But Mark Stone, William Carlson, Alex Petrangelo. Those are guys guys I want to bring up because William Carlson's one of the OGs. He scored a ton of goals for them. He is their third-line center, but he's a pretty good one. Mark Stone being healthy mm-hmm. is important, but Mark Stone when he is healthy. We're recording this the day after he got ran over in a preseason game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why do we do preseason games so much? I don't oh, know. He was so pretty upset stupid. about it, too. Yeah. yeah, so what does he bring when, you're, when you got him fully and healthy? I mean, he's one of the best defensive players forwards in the league one of the best defensive wingers in the league really weird tape job um but he's he's a a good leader he plays with ridiculous fire like a mark stone goal is terrifying and if you ever talk to him in person which i have it doesn't match his on ice persona he's just an intense guy on the ice yeah he's just he he showed up to the player media tour wearing like uh like probably uh uh, a golf shirt that he bought at a like a oh shit I forgot to wear a shirt today and and like he, he just like he had the least expensive outfit of, of anyone who was at the media tour he was just sort of like uh, yeah no I like tacos or like whatever we talked about that day and then he gets on the ice and he's like animal playing the drums on the Muppets like right. he's, he's just a, a lunatic Petrangelo Jesse what does he bring to this team I mean obviously St. Louis Blues fans know but, you know, he was the standout against, you know, even when they got beat by Montreal. What do you, you see from Petrangelo last year in the playoff run that can carry over into this year? Yeah, I think you, you have the leader of the defense core there. And a big thing I, I talked about last year when we were making our postseason predictions and all that is just how big the defense is and how they play. They're all over six feet. They're all over 200 pounds. And Petro's kind of the leader of that that gang there. And they, they're a big hockey team. And it's hard to... And you saw in the Edmonton series, uh, especially, you know, that's where they really kind of showed their muscle and they shut down a Florida Panthers team that kind of beat everybody else up, you know, and when they came up against the defense core of the Vegas Golden Knights, there was no pushback. My favorite stat, and this is yours, every single member of the Vegas Golden Knights is over six feet tall, except... The guy who won playoff MVP. <laughs> yes. Jonathan Marches. Yeah. We got to be quick about it. Uh, the goaltending. Listen, they mm. l- nobody believed in Vegas' goaltending last year. You can argue that they were good. You can argue probably a stronger argument that they got a little lucky. Do you think that this goaltending is enough to get them through the regular season in really good form? It honestly might be better um, than like Logan Thompson is a stupidly good underrated goalie on a stupidly good underrated contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is health. If he's healthy uh, and he's going to split time with Aiden Hill, 
I mean, that's as, it's as good as uh, any tandem out there. Jesse? Yeah, th- the health thing is so important because we forget that this is a team that traded for Jonathan Quick and had him on the wow. bench. During, he was the God. backup in many of their postseason oh, yeah. games. He has his name going on the Stanley Cup. I'm pre- I don't know. I think he made the list of the yeah, guys on the so. Stanley Cup trophy. I got to go double check in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but it might be there. He got a shutout. Yeah. It, I think in his first game. Oh, in the regular season. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 not in the playoffs. But they they really struggle with the health of their goaltenders. And I don't know if Logan Thompson ends up as the starter just because he outplays Aiden Hill. But, yeah, it's a big question mark. But if they figure it out, they're going to be just as good. I was trying to remember who their third goalie was because they did have to play him a couple times. Uh, Yuri Patera. Um, uh, I could see uh, getting a couple starts. To wrap it up, underrated uh, depth potential pickup on a PTO, the only one in Vegas camp as of this recording, is Max Comtois. Could be a valuable ad if uh, oh. he's 24 years old. Ducks was, legend? Yeah, Ducks legend Max <laughs> Comtois could be could be valuable. The, the, the thing I want to ask you guys is where do they finish in the division? Uh, are they a cup favorite? Yes. You are not asking me for my cup favorite. You're asking me where they're going to finish in the division. That's right. Second. Jesse. I'm not going to bet against the Stanley Cup champions. I'm going to have them first. Okay. I have them in second because I do feel... Like Steve said, regular season isn't the priority. It's, no, it's, the, it's, it's fair. The, they got to win it all. Edmonton and Vegas, the, the biggest issue I have with that is it'll be in the second round. I know. I'm so disappointed, uh, yeah. right? I know. It's going to be a fantastic matchup if and when it does happen. It's going to be exciting here in Vegas. You know, it's been a long time, but this is supposedly the year when the Arizona Coyotes stop taking bad money and start building to win. Uh, they've had a lot of changes in the offseason, but this is the year that they stopped taking dead money. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that they don't have dead money. And it would be unfair to start without telling you how much dead money, because if you look at their how cap much? face right now, hmm. it's like, oh, wow, they've only got a few million dollars left. They're almost a cap team. No. <laughs> uh, Jake Forcheck at $8.25 million. Shea Weber at $7.875 million. Brian Little at five. Uh, $0.29 million. OEL at $20,000. And Patrick Nemeth at $166,000. That's $23.26 million in dead cap this year. But that all changes. Not this year, but next year. And not mostly next year because a lot of those contracts extend further than that. But... They need that 20000 from OEL. They do. They do. Uh, what's new, though? You got Matt Dumba. You got Sean Dursey. You got Logan Cooley. You got Alex Kerfoot. And you got Jason Zucker. Uh, Lads contract. Brett Ritchie, Patrick Nemeth, Christian Fisher, and Zach Cassian are all gone. Let's start with the very good. The very good is Logan Cooley. Oh, absolutely. Goal of the preseason. Goal of the preseason, bar none. Uh, Connor Bedard has a clip that's going viral right now the day that we're uh, shooting this, but he didn't score on it. No, it, 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 was, it is probably going to be the goal of the preseason. Fantastic show that he put on in LA. Guys, what are realistic expectations for Logan Cooley this year? Well, he's going to get plenty of opportunity, um, and I actually kind of think Arizona has some talent to insulate him if they have to um he might not be surrounded by the high end that bedard is ah, actually bedard's only really got hall i and see how i'm comparing and it's like cory perry and nick felino yeah i'm just comparing these two players arbitrarily like uh clayton keller is the engine of this team right uh he's the beginning middle and end of it so uh, if Logan Cooley falters, I mean, even more eyes are, are going to turn to Clayton Keller. Coyotes fans watching this video, I think you're going to be shocked. 
shocked by how high I am on this team. Betting odds. So first off, the Coyotes had 70 points last year. Mm-hmm. What do you think the over-under, guys, is for the odds this year for their points? 80, 80.5. Jesse. Yeah, I'm just looking at the, the wild card stands from last year. What what do I think the market set it at? I think they're going to think they are going to improve a little. 75 and a half. Yeah, you were, 80.5 feels so high. You were so close, Jesse. 74 and a half. Hey! hey. Now, are you both hammering the over because of it? Uh, over 74 and a half. Do you think they can do that? Well, judging by my answer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not no, yet. I'm taking the over. I, I, uh, I Listen, I don't think they're great. Mm-hmm. They're not. Um, but a lot of their games last year were competitive. They got great goaltending. I think they're going to score a little more this year. Um, they're, they're not... They're, they're middle of the pack. Jesse, what do you think? Over or under on these guys? I'm going to take the under. I You're thought, being wow. 74 and a half. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think they'll be in and around where they were last season. Like, I don't huh? see wow. a, a, a huge improvement. And I, I, I'm thinking that some of the teams in the division are going to take some of those points away from them so that you got to redistribute those points a little better. And they'll kind of end up in that 68 to 74 area, I think. Interesting. Is where I have this thing. Now, the one thing about Logan Cooley, though, is I like... As me, as a young 19-year-old, I know I would have taken $950,000 over going to school for another year. (laughs) But Logan Cooley initially said he was going back to school. And then he changed his mind and said, I'm going to the Coyotes. And I think that's a really good positive takeaway for not only for the organization, but Coyotes fans. You got a guy who wanted to be there over a place you had a lot of fun. You know, he loved that the uh, competing for for the uh, championship there in the NCAA. But he chose to be with the Coyotes, which is a huge thing. And it was a great negotiation ploy to get all of his rookie bonuses to make sure. (laughs) Because if he didn't, he was going back to school until he got him. Why not? Uh, Like. Listen, all that building stuff and, you know... But yeah, I just, just, just break team. Let's just and, talk team and rock. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, like, this is the beautiful thing, I think, for Coyotes fans. The The season's about to begin. Uh, the, the games are on now. You don't have to talk about all that crap. And all you can do is play in the building you have. The building you have is fun. The team that you have is fun. I think the team is built for the building. The I, co- I think it's. I think they're going to be a really high flying. Team. They're like a punk rock band in a small venue. But uh, uh, you don't want to talk about the building. But I think the building lends to why I think the Coyotes will kind of be where they are last where they were last season. Because last season, uh, teams coming into Arizona, um, they didn't fare too well. The Coyotes were twenty one fifteen and five at home, wow. six games above five hundred for for a not very good team on the road. They were seven twenty five and nine. Whoa. That was their road record. Wow. Seven twenty five wow. and nine. And I think now that we've had a year of ASU, road teams are going to be a little more prepared going into Arizona, and the home record for the Coyotes won't be as good. Now, I wanna, that's my logic. I want to throw There's this out there, there. guys. Uh, the Coyotes, not to get too excited, were twenty seventh in goals for last year, twenty mm-hmm. fourth most allowed goals. Um, they were twenty fourth in power play and twenty seventh on the penalty kill. Considering how good Karel Vimelka was, hearing they were 24th in goals against is wild. Uh, for the goalie situation, neither goalie had a goals against average below thir- uh, 330 last year. Wow. Neither had a save percentage over 900. So, Steve, I know Steve irrationally loves both of these goalies. I know how much he loves Connor. No reason. I know you love Karel Vimelka. I like Vimelka. Ingram. Ingram, I, you vouched for in the Colorado oh, National we had Series. A, we had a one-night stand. Ingram. We had a one-night stand. <laughs> He's not that bad, man. Um, there are Which some, relationship is stronger? 
Steven Ingram or Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? Steven Ingram. It's longer. Oh, I disagree. I disagree too. It's less profitable. It's far less profitable. But I, <laughs> you asked me which is more solid, and I, that's the one I'm going. Okay. For. That's it. That's a more listen. Just Don't by listen. numbers, it's more solid. Don't listen, Taylor. Um, I want to say this. There's been <laughs> a couple of listens, so. couple of upgrades. I want to I want to shine a light on. Obviously, Sean Dursey, that trade. Noted. Alan Walsh client. Uh, well, listen. Bit of, can be a bit of a uh, a bit of a woo in his own end, but on <laughs> offense. He's going to get a ton of power play time. Uh, and this is going to be really beneficial to a young guy who looks to be a pretty good offensive defenseman. Having him in Dumba, that puck is going to friggin' move up the right side of the ice. I, I think I think that's a really underratedly big uh, improvement for them. Like, the Coyotes aren't just completely selling everything that's not bolted to the floor anymore. And, and I, I feel like that's extremely relevant especially when it comes to the back end is matt dumba not one that will be sold though now like we know what he brings at this point in his career but he's got a one-year contract this team is probably not going to make the playoffs barring a corral vamelka storyline of the year which listen we're all open to it especially steve totally but i want to say matt dumba what does he bring to the team and you got to think he's moving for assets at the dread trade deadline yeah i mean i think that's what you do uh if you're not in a playoff spot but i i do actually think if they're competitive they're going to try to keep some of these guys mm -hmm. uh i i really do um sorry what was your question my question is <laughs> what's he bring to them oh i mean he's got a bomb of a shot uh he can hit he has an abundance of experience He's a, a good free agent choosing to go to Arizona. That does not happen very often. Kerfoot's a really serviceable guy. Um, I think Dumba's a better defenseman than Kerfoot is a forward. But Kerfoot's really versatile. Um, they're going to have a better power play because of Dumba. Um, and like I said, they're going to be able to move the puck up the right side. One guy I wanted to ask you guys about was Matthias Maselli, who quietly had 49 points in 80 games last year for them. Mm -hmm. Nice little three-year extension. If he's making a couple million bucks a year, not bad. Uh, it feels like he would be the breakout candidate besides Logan Cooley, right? He could continue to be quietly very good. Rookies, it's they do something. They, they, it's some sort of shot of adrenaline to, to your roster. If they get off to a hot like couple weeks to start the season... Honestly, you can ride that into the winter. Just because of the energy. Just the energy. Okay. Um, now, it's another year probably to sell at the trade deadline for the Coyotes. Uh, the future is looking a lot brighter. So let me ask you this. What do you, what's a win for the Coyotes this year, gentlemen? And where do you have them in the standings in the Central Division? I, I think a victory for them is being in the playoff conversation mm -hmm. come trade deadline. Okay. Um, you're not going in there uh, hoping to sell off, you know, all your guys on expiring deals, but you go in there prepared to do it, which okay. I, I think is just a responsible. And there thing are to some do. there are some good deals there. The, I think this is going to shock a lot of people. I have the Coyotes fifth. Wow, fifth out of eight Ooh. in the division. Jesse Blake, where do you have the Coyotes? Uh, you went by you. You didn't mention a couple names. Uh, Dylan Genther is going to be yep. in the lineup full time this season. He's going to hopefully take another step. That that could be a really good player. And the the four the top nine for the Coyotes is a little underrated with the way you're looking at the roster. You know, it's a Cooley Kerfoot Zucker could be a dynamic uh, line number two. And having Genther on that third line, the first line of 
Keller, Hayton, Nick Schmaltz, if they go with that one, is a decent first line. Jack McBain, too. Jack McBain is also Guys, there. answer the and question. Then, Where are they going to be? We got to wrap it up. I didn't get to say anything. What is it? Oh, I'm sorry. And go JJ ahead. Moster also on the D. That's a That's second just round name pick. All their prospects. That's the second round pick from two years ago who gets to play full time in the NHL. He's going to be good. I got yeah, but also, sorry. <laughs> go, go. Seventh in the division. Seventh in the division. I have them sixth. I, I am higher on them than I am on a couple other teams. I do think they're going to be very, very good in a couple of years. They've got among the lowest payrolls in the game, and they believe they've drafted the star of the future. The Chicago Blackhawks are bad. But the question will be, how bad? And is that bad useful bad? Because on one hand, ideally, you want to take a team to, you want a team to step forward and grow. But on the other hand, it would be really great to be bad, sell, and draft another player to compliment Bedard next June. There it is. Ah, 21 seconds in. <laughs> Connor Bedard. We're gonna, so we're already at two. Mm-hmm. I want to know how many times we say Connor Bedard's name in this video. Three. Okay. Um, <laughs> to surround Connor Bedard, four. Four. The Blackhawks overpaid for guys like Felino Hall and Perry. Uh, but does that really matter? I mean, you want to you no. you surround him, right? Yeah. You, you, uh, you surround him with, uh, with experience, culture, um, all those stupid intangibles. Because, like, listen, you're not trying to actually win hockey games, dude. So, okay. Uh, Jesse Blake, what are you expecting points wise from Connor Bedard this year? With that uh, supporting cap. Do you have the betting over and under? No, I don't. I'd love to know uh, that. Okay, okay, if you okay, can okay. bring up the points and the goals and if whatever they have, um, I'd love to know that number because whatever that the betting market is setting it at, I'm going over that. Okay. Like I, I want 40 goals out of Connor Bedard. Oh, I yeah. want, uh, let's say 80 to 100 points. Somewhere in there, that's a wide margin. I thought you were going to say assist. I'm like, you're on drugs. No, no, 80 to 100 <laughs> points. So whatever 40 goals uh, evens that out up to. I The the sun and the moon is what's going to happen here with Connor Bedard. Like everything you expect out of this kid, he is going to hit that bar and surpass it. He's looked absolutely phenomenal in the preseason. It's just highlight reel after highlight reel in the like two games he's played at this point that, yeah. that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unbelievable. Like sky high expectations on him. He looks great. He's going to step right in and be a top 25 NHL player. I'm looking for it right now. Full disclosure. It's October 2nd, the day that we're shooting this. I I wouldn't be shocked to see them claim some guys off waivers. Hmm. Um, Their defense is friggin horrible. Yeah. But like who with some offensive skill wouldn't want to get claimed by the Blackhawks right now? Like you have an opportunity to, if someone has a bad week and you're hot, you're on Connor Bedard's wing. You could ride that. You could ride shotgun with Connor Bedard for the rest of your Well, I wonder in my, how Athanasiu feels about that, right? Because that's exactly. right. in my projected lineups that I, that I was looking at, I took some, did some digging I made for the team. I have Taylor Radish on their top line with uh, Hall and Connor Bedard. I don't know if it will play out to that, but like a guy like Taylor Radish, you know, you get to step in there and just play with Connor Bedard. How ridiculously lucky are you? He's already played with several players. I, I believe Radish, Hall, and the other was Athanasiu, like mm-hmm. Adam, Adam mentioned. Like, these guys do not have such a secure roster spot that it's impossible you couldn't get promoted. Mm-hmm. It's it's I'm telling you, man. Yeah, and if you're I'm a waiver you. wire pickup and you play good, you know, you play well and you get up in the lineup and then you're next to Hall and Bedard, like that's pretty good time. Your life could change for the better. Yeah, and you can have a decent season, get a nice free agent bonus. Like I I think Bedard's gonna be so good. And I don't know it like what he's gonna excel at yet at the NHL level. Like if he's gonna be the goal scoring type or if he's gonna come in as the playmaker. Because we saw McDavid start early in his career as hey, I'm gonna do the Gretzky thing where I'm gonna put up four million assists and that's how I'm gonna do it. And then 
I wouldn't say midway through his career, but like in the first half of it, in the last two years, he made a marked decision to become the goal scorer. And now he just does both. You know, now we're like 60 goals plus the million assists. And now McDavid is this unbelievable player. They're going to fight a lot. Uh, uh, Perry is going to fight. Felino is going to fight. And then they're going to realize these guys are a little too old to be doing that. And they're going to go out and get someone else. They're, they're going to fight a lot. Uh, there are three names that are not named Connor Bedard that people are keeping eyes on. Specifically, I'm going to mention Lucas Reichel, Kevin Kruczynski, and Arvid Soderblom. Uh, Scott Powers, uh, who is a longtime reporter for the Blackhawks, believes Soderblom could be the goalie of the future. Uh, he'll have to share time with Peter Morazic, but uh, no, Peter Morazic may just give time because he's yeah. consistently injured. Yeah, and bad. Like he hasn't, he hasn't been good when healthy. He hasn't been both good and healthy at the same time for a, quite some time. Wait, who did you say the goal of the future? Arvid Soderblom. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Arvid uh, Soderblom. Yeah, because that's uh, you that's, should remember that name. That's his cousin, brother of of uh, the guy in Detroit. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they're related. Are they related? Actually, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, no, I got a tweet about it the other day. Oh, okay. yeah. So, so, <laughs> so here's some, uh, I was looking up some Connor Bedard stuff. I can't find the points, but oh. if uh, if you take him to lead uh, the d- central division in scoring, it's plus 2,500, which is pretty nuts. That's a good, that's a good bet. If you take Connor Bedard to win the Hart Trophy, it's plus 5,000. Rocket Richard, Five plus 5,000. To score... Uh, 30 goals is a negative 275 to score 40 goals is a plus 350. Do you take that? Ooh. Can Connor Bedard get 40 goals? Somebody's got to score for the Blackhawks. 450? 350. 350. I tried to speak it into existence. I mean, 40 goals is a lot of goals. Yeah, I got the Bedard numbers for you. Give it the to uh, over under on points is 67 and a half. Over. That's what, that's what the line 67 and a half? Yeah, regular season points. Over with both feet. <laughs> yeah. over with both feet yep absolutely uh yeah like i said lucas reichel kevin krachinski here's uh here's what i thought you'd find interesting seth jones and nikita zaitsev are the two highest paid de- defensemen on this roster good lord now i know nikita zaitsev's contract is expiring i know seth jones signed an extension under a different regime but at the end of the day when you're the two highest price tags a lot will still be expected of you especially with this team ushering in a new era what do you expect from those guys? What do they need to do for this to look like success and for Nikita Zaitsev, frankly, to get another contract? Well, uh, sometimes your reputation um, precedes you. Uh, Seth Jones actually had a pretty good year <laughs> last year. Um, as good a year as you can have with the Blackhawks. Um, he's going to play like 25, 26, 27 minutes a night. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. And for Nikita Zaitsev, um, you got to put up points. That's how you got this contract. Seven years ago. Seven, a very long time ago. He had 36 points as a rookie. A lot of it was on the power play. I think you got to be in your coach's ear. You got to be doing everything you possibly can to get on there. If I'm your coach, I ain't putting you on there, but we know he can do it. Okay. Uh, Connor Murphy is 30 years old, making 4.4 million bucks. What does he need to do? He's an assistant captain this year. Get traded at the deadline. You're not, are you not, are you, he's not a, a part he's, of the the future here? No. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I think, they, they want good players for the, for the, uh, for their future. And like that guy ain't it. Mm-hmm. On the, on the D side there, the, the names you rattled off there, the most in- interesting one is, is Korczynski. Cause you get the 19 year old who gets to come in and on a really bad team. He was a first round draft pick last, uh, in 2022, seventh overall. Thank you, Ottawa. 
uh, he he gets to play first line minutes. He's probably going to be paired with Seth Jones there on the first pairing. Man, and do you imagine? You get a 19-year-old who gets thrown into the NHL and you say, hey, go learn. You know, you, you don't have to learn at the AHL. You don't have to learn in junior, wherever. You can just go learn with Seth Jones and you can play number one minute. I think Seth Jones is going to play so much that he has two D partners. <laughs> no, oh, probably. probably. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go out there with Krajinski. All right. Stay out there. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to be playing with, I don't know, some other guy on the left side. It reminds me of the Maurice Sider situation where Sider, he just first first year, you know, he comes in, he's playing 22 minutes a night. And Korchinski has the luxury of having Seth Jones next to him, which Sider didn't have. So Korchinski's growth development could be amazing just in this Blackhawk system. There's more things to like with Chicago than you think. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. looking at these UFAs too. Tyler Johnson. Uh, Nick Foligno, Corey Perry, Jason Dickinson, uh, Colin Blackwell, Nikita Zaitsev, Jared Tenorti, um, and Peter Morazic, all UFAs at the end of this year. So they the have Jared Hawks, Tenorti? They have Jared Tenorti. Oh, add that to the list of guys who are going to fight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think the, the reality of the situation is they already have one of the lowest payrolls. I wonder, uh, with $13 million in cap space currently, wow. that's to start the year, at the deadline, if not... Nothing were to change. Sixty-four million they could take on sixty-four million dollars because of the way the math works. I'm almost Damn. positive they don't take the roster that we're currently looking at on October second into the season. Well, I, I, I at some point somebody is Ottawa is going to need some <laughs> sort of relief, and it's like Ottawa and Chicago. They've made trades before. Um, I, I think that that. Chicago's biggest win this year for me is how they use that cap space to take on um, some dead money for assets. What can you do with that kind of, you can do a ton with that. Who can you talk to? Who, you know, how can you benefit from this? Um, and, and that's, if I were Chicago, I would be like, okay, uh, let's, let's take your one, your bad one year deals. Cause you need, you need pressure, uh, let off. I'll take them now, but you're going to have to throw in major assets for it. it is the most valuable thing in the NHL right now is cap space. I think you call Pierre Dorian until I can see the <laughs> thumbprint on your phone from space. <laughs> I agree. Could not agree more. Okay. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, the central division, not the strongest in the sport, mm. the betting odds at 73 and a half that that's how the, so do you go over? Or oh under? my gosh, that's way too high. I'm going under. Yeah, I'm, I'm going well, under. They had 59 points last year. Yeah. Also the number for Bedard and goals this season, the over under is set at 31 and a half. Over. So where do you have the Blackhawks finishing in the central? I don't even got to look at my phone last. <laughs> you don't need this menu? No, I don't need this menu. I already know how bad you are. <laughs> Jesse, what about you? I have them last as well. The I most, am shocked. The most fun thing this season will be uh, seeing how many creative players they can play this season. They have a guy who might play. His name is Cole Gutman. 14 career games. I don't know if he's a real person. That's a new they great- still have Buddy Robinson? I don't know. I don't know. I hope they do. Cole Gutman. Everybody. Cole Gutman and Buddy Robinson. Last place, Chicago Blackhawks. Beautiful. Same here. Blackhawks, eighth place, but that cap space is going to be interesting. Okay, so they just, just finished first in the division last year with 109 points despite some pretty rough injuries. What do you think the betting odds are for the, uh, for the Avs in terms of points this season? They had 109 last year. They did lose some players this year. They did gain some players this offseason. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to say that's difficult. Mm -hmm. 108.5. Jesse. (laughs) Um, 
Let's say 110.5. Oh, oh let's go. Okay. Not bad. Now, it's hard to believe that the Avs did have such a great year despite all those injuries. Uh, they didn't lead the league in man games last injury, but they did lead the league. They used a league-high 43 players to get through the regular season. Holy Toledo. The injury luck was terrible. Wow. But here's what we have. We now know Landis Cog's not coming back. They didn't know that last year. Right. Um, they know that Pavel Fransos uh, has not stepped on the ice as of yet at camp, likely to go on LTR to start the season. Let's start there. Is Justice uh, Justus Anuman? Anuman. Uh, uh, the number two goalie, or is he the number two goalie right now, as described by Jared Bednar, which is not how you want to be described, I don't think. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at this right now. So, oh boy. Oh boy, that's tough. Ananen uh, is a goalie who has had some success. Um, he was one of the draft picks I covered in a Trade Tree forever ago that they got through the Matt Duchesne trade. Mm -hmm. So still paying dividends. It's crazy how much Colorado got from that. Um, that being said, they're an injury away from disaster, right? Um, so they could absolutely flirt with 110 points. If they go into the season with Pavel Fransos and Alexander Georgiev gets hurt opening night, they're screwed. And they did too well last year to have a good enough place in the waiver wire order that they could get a guy like I don't know, Martin Jones even, um, who could be a decent stopgap or any of the other guys who are... Even Tampa play. is ahead of them. The Tampa, the other team that needs a goalie. Like, I imagine... Uh, who, who ended up getting Spencer Martin? Someone claimed Spencer Martin. I, I don't know. Like, I assume they would have tried to get him. Yeah. Unless they were the team who got him. And then, yeah. in that case, it's funny. <laughs> He's not on their cap friendly. So I mean, I Georgiev not. had a 919 and a 253 GAA last year. He was 40 and 16 in 62 games. He has played this amount before. He is at the age where you should be able to play this amount, but you have to think that Colorado's probably going to look for somebody to get. Yeah, Andrenin's had a couple little cups of coffee at the NHL level. Hasn't been great. He had a good season in the minors last year with the Colorado Eagles, um, but you're going to need help if Georgiev goes down long-term. Now, Jesse. What's up? It was uh, Columbus, by the way, who got Spencer Martin. There you go. If you're a huge... Uh, Colorado Avalanche fan, you're you're put your head yourself in the headspace of producer Drew. Ooh, I'm gonna <laughs> troll Leaf fans all summer. Hey, everybody golf sucks. <laughs> uh, and your favorite pay player, Kale McCarr. Oh, Kale Maker. Kale Maker comes to camp and says he spent every day this summer just trying to feel normal again. That's what he said. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I feel very satisfied with where I am as the Colorado Avalanche. Like, obviously, Kale McCarr maybe not making it to the season opener is is going to be a little rough for them. But they have this one kid. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but his name is Bo Byram. And it's Bo Byram's time to shine. It's, it's about to be Byram's season very soon, and it could be this season where he takes that next step and we're all like, how did they do this again? Fantasy they have, sleeper. They have two number one defensemen. You know, I think we're, it's about time where they, who's going to be a, an amazing um, two number two you know, me, to, let, to these guys. Let me pour a big old bucket of water on that. Bowen Byram has played 72 games in the last two years. His injuries have derailed him. 
And I think this season, the number one goal for Bo Byram is to play 82 games. I, Be healthy, because when he's healthy, he can emerge as the number one defenseman. On this team, he'll be the number two, which is an unfair advantage. And how can Colorado do this again? So, so they can't keep getting away with this. Here's where, where we are. They used 43 players last year, and they were still great. And we're looking at this going, how are they going to be able to do it? We've already seen them do it. They did it. So, yeah. if, if And they did it with more uncertainty. Right. With more uncertainty, Makar was injured and then I believe suspended. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember yeah, what he did. Yeah, there was a weird suspension in there. there I can't a, remember what he did. Yeah, I, yeah. It was like an accident, but also nuts. Mm-hmm. Um but they just they have so many guys they can turn to. I'm I'm not concerned about anything up front, not concerned about anything on the back end. It's the goalies. The regular season, uh sorry, uh in the regular season last year, Josh Manson also only played twenty seven games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and he's you know he he looks like he's going to be back to health and here's here's uh the Av- the Avalanche are rated the second best defensive core when healthy in the NHL Taze Makar Byron Manson Sam Gerrard who never gets any chat but no. still one of the greatest pickups that is part of the Matt Duchesne Ottawa trade um and no Jack- he gets chat in trade rumors that's right yeah which is weird and Jack Johnson as well so it looks like on defense obviously they look like a good team they just got to stay healthy mm-hmm. um. Now, they lost some depth with JT Comfer and Evan Rodriguez, but they're going to replace it with Ryan Johansson at 50% retained from Nashville. So that's $4 million bucks, And Jonathan Drouin, who apparently Nathan McKinnon uh, called Joe Sackick and, and uh, said, listen, go get this guy. I want to play with this guy. I think there's something here. Who's, and they have been playing together. Who's Jonathan Drouin? Uh, he's a noted Alan Walsh club. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and where much. did they have, have they ever met before? Drew and McKenna? Yeah. yeah uh, 10 the, years ago. In the best city in the world, Halifax, Nova Scotia. There you go. Yeah. Mooseheads, baby. Yeah. I mean, it's a zero risk move. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are playing together. They're playing. They're trying them out. Yeah. Well, I'm saying if he doesn't work out, it's like, all right, he's league man. Like, it's fine. And like, uh, Drew and I, I don't think has to play with. Uh, Nathan McKinnon in order for Drouin to have a successful season. There's other weapons on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you mentioned um, the the guys they brought in, like, and you, you left off that list, Ross Colton, Thomas Tatar, and Miles Wood. Well, I'm getting like, to Ross Colton. so good. Like, I, wanna have, I got something yeah. on yeah, Ross Colton. Because with their, with their injury luck and the depth that they had, their forward group was so decimated. You had a guy like Logan O'Connor playing way up in the lineup at, towards the end of the season, and it was a disaster. And now they bring in all these extra bodies, and now people can hopefully stay healthy it's going to be a really good Colorado team. Uh, the Athletic has named Ross Colton Jesse the breakout candidate of the year for there the Avs. He played, he never averaged more than 13 minutes a game for Tampa Bay, yet averaged 19 goals uh, each of his last two seasons. So probably going to play third line to start, but obviously if there's injuries, he can move up and he's played with really good teams before. I mean, if Drew Ann's not good, I mean... There's that's, your guy. That's nah, an easy solution. You, right you run it one, two, three. You run McKinnon, uh, Johansson, Ross Colton. I think so. Oh, you have him up the middle. Yeah. Okay. Miles Wood also adds a lot of value, Jess. You were saying uh, six-year, $15 million deal. One of those weirdo long ones that keeps the term low. Uh, valuable player in New Jersey. What does he bring to another winning team in Colorado? Uh, I mean, just he's a pain in the ass, <laughs> right? So Colorado's going to miss a lot of man games. Uh, he's the solution. He's the guy who softens up the other team right? Um, they're an underratedly tough team. It's kind of funny that Colorado and Tampa faced off in the cup final because they're two teams who they're not necessarily the aggressors, but they can take a punch mm-hmm. and he's going to be, uh, a little bit of the punch giving. So for the two of you, I must ask, 
He will, he, he my second favorite holiday <laughs> punch giving. <laughs> uh, what kinds of seasons do you expect from the big guys? McKinnon, Natushkin, uh, Rantanen. Uh, if Colorado is going to repeat for the th- division for the third straight year, what do these guys need to be? Well, Nachushkin's a complete mystery to me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm afraid to even touch that one. Um, well, you could just talk about his on-ice play. We're not asking you what kind of person he is. No, I know, but like it's such weird circumstances, and you wonder how that affected his summer. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Rantanen's Rantanen, and he's going to get – I think it'd be disappointing if he only got 40. He should be flirting with 50. McKinnon should be flirting with 50. Um, McKinnon should be up over 100 points. Uh, both those guys are going to be completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Jesse, what do you think? I, I forgot last season, Rantanen had a 55-50 season. Yeah. He had 55? 55-50. And no one cared because two guys got 60. It's stupid. Like, yeah. the they're going to be so good up top. You know, the the two stars are going to do their thing. Like, what can you say? And But if, if history says anything, now that McKinnon is a $12.6 million player, he's not going to win anything anymore. Right. That's what happened in Chicago. And look at the Leafs, guys. It's Once weird. they get the big contracts, they can't win. So just, McKinnon sucks to be you. It's just really weird because he said he'd take less. It's weird. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it right now. It's weird. He'd play for free. Uh, one question I have for the Avs, and this is something we've seen in a, in a lot of teams. When you add a bunch of new players, and they did add a lot, um, it can create magic or it can create tension because there's no guarantee everybody fits. And I'm specifically thinking of an extreme example in Calgary last year. A lot of change. It didn't quite fall into place. Perhaps coaching was the issue or two. Mm-hmm. Most of the issue. What do you, do you think that's going to be an issue for the Avalanche guys? Nah, uh, it, was, it was a lot more seismic in Calgary. Like you had a line of three 40 goal scores and you got rid of two of them. <laughs> like, I, I think that's pretty, Oh, is that a problem? Yeah, just a bit. The, the, the core is all still there. Yeah. No one is confused about who's in charge. Yeah. The defense is almost entirely intact. You know, and the guys they brought in are like five forwards who are going to work the edges of the lineup, you yeah. know? Yep. You like it. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, I do want to do a couple of shout outs, shout outs to a couple of former Leafs, uh, Peter Holland and Brandon Cozen, who may end up with the Eagles in the AHL, um, depending upon, I, I think Brandon, uh, sorry, I think at very least Peter Holland will be offered an AHL deal, which is good for him after three, four years That's away from incredible. the game. Amazing. And he, he's like, no, I want to make the NHL. I get it. But listen, Peter, let's start in the A and move, work our way up. Baby. I mean, he's ripped like an old shirt, but he's he hasn't played in the NHL in a very long time. It's incredible that he's yeah. even here. So with that, all of that taken into account, gentlemen, where do you have, and this is a tough one because mm-hmm. it's a tough division at the top, where do you have the Colorado Avalanche uh, in uh, the division, in the Central. They're so good that this is going to sound like an insult, but uh, I have them second. Um, I just I don't know if winning the division is necessarily a priority for them. Uh, like Kel McCarr, um, if he needs a rest, they'll give it to him. Um, it, Ryan Johansson, I think, is probably going to need some rest days. Uh, not having a backup is actually really detrimental to your regular season like that could be a swing of 10 15 points yep uh right there so they're gonna be really good they're gonna make the playoffs but second okay jesse blake where do you have them steve if you had some skeptical taco bell what would happen i'd 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 probably have kfc i guess because i'm skeptical that i went to the right restaurant 
What? Can we just answer the question? I don't. I don't understand the question. <laughs> you probably have to take a number two, which is uh, where I have the Colorado Avalanche. Thank you for setting me up. I think I had no idea where you were going with that. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you this: you're the way you guys always talk about pooping yourself. That's that's your mo. Talking about <laughs> I, pooping yourself. I do mention poop. <laughs> I do. Mention I thought poop. I could. I thought you could set me up. I but. I know why you guys have uh. Colorado ranked at second. I have them at first, and Steve, you 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 asked if it mattered to them. I think it does, mm. and I think the reason it matters is because it mattered to them last season. You didn't ask me who I had first. Well, I'm, I'm, we're going to get to that. Yeah. Um, Colorado, <laughs> I have it first. And I think it does matter. And I think it is a point of contention. And I think they want that home ice guarantee. And I think that they know that the Dallas Stars are nipping at their heels. But I think any team with Nathan McKinnon on it, every minute of every game matters. So Colorado, I still have you at number one. And I think you're going to be healthy this year. They finished second by one point. And it looked like most of the year they were going to get to be first. The Dallas Stars had 108 points and finished second last year behind the Colorado Avalanche. The betting odds on their points, gentlemen, take a gander. What do you think? Take a guess. What, what, Not a what did they have last year? They had 108 last year. 108. Uh, I'm going to say 111.5. Wow. Okay, Jesse. 105 and a half. 105 and a half is the number. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, the finals could be nice. on the horizon for this team. They had great success, made it to the final four. But is this the year? On paper, the team's already got a really solid forward group, uh, improved by Matt Duchesne, who was bought out by the Nashville Predators. What do we think about that ad? I mean, it's it's an incredible ad. Like, that's not a bad player. They've taken advantage of a couple good buyouts, Suter and Duchesne. Yeah, like Suter was making way too much. Uh, some Stars fan would argue he still does. Um, but, you know, he's been there and he's had a, a few really good games for them. Duchesne, um, I think he is what the Dallas Stars are trying to be. Um, these guys are not the the boring Metapod uh, Defense first. team that they used to be. Yeah, no, they score goals. They skate. Mm -hmm. um, they set up plays. Um Duchesne's a versatile player. He can play the wing really well. He can play center if you, if you really need him to. Um, what, what was it? Three million bucks? Three million bucks for a year. Stupid. Like such a good fit. Such a good fit. He's going to score a million goals and then go out there and sign a deal as the cap goes up. Good for him. Three years ago, we openly questioned why Dallas paid so much for Joel Pavelski. Three, years, three years later, we have eaten our words. It's one of my worst takes. He is 39. He's making more than Duchesne. He's making three and a half, but it's a one-year deal. Is this the year father time, because it eventually will happen, is this the year, guys, that father time finally catches up with Joel Pavelski? It might catch up with him in the regular season, and the second the playoffs start, he's going to be incredible again. Dallas, he, he was he missed time, and it's like he was their best player, missed time, came back, was their best player. It was ridiculous. Jesse, Dallas is a team you play pay particular attention to because of uh, the irrational love you have for your for the goaltender, <laughs> who I'm getting to, by the way. Let's not bring him up yet. Yeah. But I want to know, you, you watch a lot of Dallas games. Pavelski is, is, a, is a major, major guy for them in the last three years. Do you think he can continue it? Oh, yeah, easily. And like the Dallas Stars, they have this reputation of, you know, they're they're going to play 2-1 hockey, but that's not their reputation anymore. Mm -hmm. Like last year, they turned into a very good offensive team. They're, they're top 10 in all the offensive categories in, in power play percentage, in, in goals for uh, strictly, strictly just scoring goals. They're up there. And like Jason Robertson is one of the most underrated superstars in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. He's he's 100 plus points on the year and he's going to do it again. And there's no doubt in my mind that if this team just gets a little bit more scoring combined with their already otherworldly defense, it's 
top three team in national well, hockey they, league? they probably get a little more scoring from duchene sorry go yeah. ahead steve do you have something you want to jump in there uh yes joe pavelski has more playoff goals than alexander ovechkin crazy hey, there he you has go 73 ovechkin has 72 and 73 holy shit 73 has pavelski 13th all time amazing he's three goals away from tying mario lemieux Wow. And and <laughs> your question was about Joe Pavelski, and he's only one piece of this really good offense. There aren't many holes in the forward group, and you're combining that with an already great defense. Now, they're so good. Jamie Benn had a good year, and getting the most out of him is going to be something that's really important for the Dallas Stars. But somebody he's already he's always linked to because I think they came in and signed the extensions at the same time. It's Ben Sagan. What does Dallas need from those guys this year? Sagan, who's, you know, he looked good when he was back from injury, but is he going to be Close to the same, we don't know. What do you think about those two this year and what they're going to be able to produce? Well, health is obviously very concerning, but uh, just be creative. Be creative and play fun hockey. Uh, we've seen a lot of guys um, over the past couple of years really have a resurgence in their career mm -hmm. because goals have gone up league-wide. Remember how dead in the water Jeff Skinner's contract was? Oh, it's and look at it. Look at the resurgence. And well, and now he's uh, the setup man for Tage Thompson, who's one of the best goal scorers in the league, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the the burden is not as heavily on Ben and Sagan as it used to be. If they have a you know a tough season or a tough week or whatever, there's Rope hints. There's Jason Robertson, uh, Jason Robertson Duchesne, right? yeah, exactly right. So just be creative, play good offensive hockey, and don't be an idiot in your own end. How so many points did Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben combine for last year, guys? What do you think? Just take a guess. I'm not holding you to this. A hundred, a hundred and thirty-five, hundred thirty-eight. Oh, the most interesting thing I think about Tyler Sagan this season is that you get to be a third line, a third line player. They get to, you get good matchups. Their top six is so good that you can run out. Uh, it's Mason Marshman, uh, Matt Duchesne, and Tyler Sagan on your third line. Mm -hmm. he, like he's like known as a party guy. Like he's he's uh, he's got an underrated like drive for success. Yeah. No like, people he, people would be surprised by how hard he trains. He's going to be playing a lot better matchups this season against other teams' third line, third and fourth lines. And I think there's a real opportunity for that third line if 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 it turns out to be. Marchment, Duchesne, and, and Sagan to do some damage. Now, one guy that stands out to me, and I wanted to get your, your take on it, guys, because again, playoff performer, but he played six regular season games last year is Thomas Harley. Um, you know, he was really, really good on defense, strong playoff. Um, listen, this is a team that's gone from big and slow to big still, but fast <laughs> and puck moving. He kind of fits that bill really well. What do you expect from a guy like Thomas Harley, who admittedly has really only had a strong playoff, and we never know what that looks like in the regular season? Yeah, like the, it's it's no disrespect to him, but I always take that with a grain of salt. Um, as we go through the 82-game season, which, by the way, is 82 games. That's so many games. That's a lot of games. Um, Has anybody considered how many I, games that is? I mean, I wish someone would mention it. <laughs> um, I, I don't think uh, I don't think it's, uh, you know, I'm not leaning on him to get like 50 points there no, on no. the back but, end. But like that's a dude who can hack. This is a, yeah. that, this is a first round pick. 
yeah. from from uh, 20, 2019, 18th overall. Like this is a guy who has uh, demonstrated that he can hang in the NHL in playoff games, and that's so important that they know they have this now. And if he's playing with uh, Yanni Hockenpah, who's a top five hockey name in the league, you know, I think that'll be a fun duo. And it's and it's only it only gets better when you go and you're like, hey, that could be our third pair. And we have two other pairs better above them. Yeah. Like, they're so deep. It's Very cool, right? Un- yeah. Unfun to play against um, Johnny Hockenbach. Rupe Hintz uh, signed the extension of all extensions. Eight years, $67.6 million last November. 75 points last year. I know we mentioned him earlier, but I and I want to get to Jason Robertson just after him. What does he bring to this team? Like, again, we got to talk about the offense with the Stars. Oh, forget about what Rope Hintz brings to the Dallas Stars. Think about what Rope Hintz can bring to you and your fantasy team. Because <laughs> people forget he exists. Yep. I know. They really do. Weird. Why? I don't know. He's yeah. one of the most underrated uh, players in the entire league, the most under-talked about. I called him French. Remember that? Yeah. I said it was from <laughs> France. Finland starts with an F. That was really the only thing Francis. I got. Like, <laughs> there's really, yeah, yeah, for sure. If you load up on Dallas Stars for your fantasy team, you're going to have a good year. I'm, yeah. I am telling you, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, Mason Marchment, a guy that, you know, and, and again, as former Leaf, as a former Leaf, we got to mention a Mason Marchment, valuable player on this team. Yeah, he had, he had a tough season, uh, obviously. You know, he signs that big deal in Dallas. Um, you know, tragedy strikes uh, yeah, last summer at dad. the draft. I I really don't think uh, people uh, appreciate uh, how much that can impact someone, right? Like this isn't uh, you know four to six weeks with grieving. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's a tough process. And and the good thing for him is I think he's surrounded by an incredible group uh, in Dallas and a really deep group. So the the burden isn't on him to produce too much uh he knows there's an issue like he he's been pretty uh public about it or he's he knows last season uh wasn't up to the standard that's expected of him um but there's enough depth in the stars lineup that he can kind of work his way up slowly two names to watch out for in case some of those vets go down with injuries or need rest is logan stankovin and maverick bork uh the thing about dallas that's so frustrating is they're really good and they've got some good prospects too and lastly one of the most underrated uh rookies last year Wyatt Johnson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Wyatt Johnson's going to center that second line, oh, I think. God. <laughs> and, like, hey, by the way, Jake Ottinger, too. Yeah. Are there TVs in, in Dallas? Or, like, I just I just feel like of all the, you know, East Coast bias and all that yeah. stuff with Toronto, like, it, Dallas might be the most disrespected team in the league. Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. Seriously. Uh, and uh, there were a couple OT bounces away from beating Vegas. Mm. Uh, it's true. I think they lost two OT games in that series, seven games. It's true. Like, (laughs) they were the only team that looked like a team against Vegas. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Everybody else got steamrolled. Are are we worried about Ottinger at all? No, they they played him too much last season. Like, I think that was his first time ever playing that many games in a regular season. And I think, truly, it caught up with him in the playoffs. It looked like a goaltender who who was a little tired. And and I think they need to just play Scott Wedgwood a little bit more. And you can't rely on Ottinger going 62 games. Because his playoff, who he was in the playoffs, isn't who he was in the regular season. I don't think that playoff form Ottinger was the true thing. And I think 62 games is a little much. Like, I don't think that's how it works in the National Hockey League anymore, unless you're building him up to that level. And now he's just running 60 games every year. But I don't know. I think they overplayed him last the, year. The stars are good enough and Wedgwood's good enough that you can you can play him a little bit more mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, guys, predictions. Where do they finish? 
in the division. I have a feeling I know. I think Dallas is going to be the star of the Central Division, you see, because it's their name. It's their name. They're first. Jesse. Steve, if you drank a whole bunch of water and coffee and tea, what do you need to do? Uh, uh, go to the go number, number one. one. Yeah, yeah. I worked this time. All right, <laughs> all right. I have Dallas number one. All right, I I painfully have them at second. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I made a mis- made a made a huge mistake there. But uh, maybe I love the maybe you made a number two. Yeah, could have. <laughs> they finished with ninety two points last year, fifth in the division, and despite. Nashville kind of surprising a lot of people and breaking the 90-point barrier. Uh, not having players. I think, yeah, they still missed, you know, Philip Forsberg was was gone just a little too long for them to make the playoffs last year. According to reports, he will be back to a healthy enough spot with that upper body injury to be back this year. Gentlemen, the 90 point, 92 points last year, betting odds have them at what? What do you think? Mm, I think they're going to take a step back. 84.5. Jesse Blake. 87 and a half. And Jesse Blake nails it again. Whoa! He's on a bit of a... Fr- You're Dead yeah, on. Yeah, the dude. Jesse Blake sports book. Uh, <laughs> uh, he'll be back. This That's is going to be... Lines. This is the first year of the Barry Trotz era in Nashville. And clearly it's a retool. The Barry Trotz what? Barry Trotz... That's right. In Nashville, David Poyle has officially retired. Firstly, looking at the forwards, things look a bit thin, especially if Forsberg isn't 100% healthy. Duchesne, Johansson, Niederreiter, and Janot are gone. Ryan O'Reilly is in. They might need a bounce back from Denis Gurianov. Hey, listen, let's not forget Columbus great Gus Nyquist in there, too. Um, What do we think about where the Nashville Predators are? Uh, where I think about uh, what I think about where the Nashville Predators are, I'm looking at their roster and trying to figure out why Ryan O'Reilly is there. Because it's Nashville and he likes country music. Well, like this, this is my thing, right? It's not about like winning. No, I don't think it is. They're not. The Leafs offered him the same deal. If it was about winning, it's very clear which. I'm not. I think it was about lifestyle. Well, yeah, I'm not saying this because I'm salty. He didn't stay in Toronto. Uh, I saw the video of him just trying to have a good time at a club, and someone was taking a creepy video of him. Uh, I understand all that, but like, you're what is he? He's 32. What's why? How come? Well, he could get traded. He does not have trade protection. Yeah, he could get traded, and I think Nashville's as we saw at the draft. It's a great place to be. It is. Oh, it's definitely. I have no confusion about why he would want to play in Nashville, mm-hmm. but you'd think he'd want another crack at the cup. And I just don't know if he's going to get it. Now, now maybe you look at that and you go, okay, I'm a really good two-way forward. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the better ones in the league. We have one of the best goalies in the league. I'm going to be at the forefront of making this team great. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a lot of... Fun young players. It's going to be a fun experience, but I don't think they're going to win a ton of games. Well, and this they're not going to win a ton of games. I think I think you're right. But here's the other problem: is I'm curious about their de- direction in general, guys. And I wanted to ask you guys about this because they have a lot of dead cap. Uh, retention for Ekholm and Johansson is 4.25 million for each of the next two seasons. The buyouts of Matt Duchesne and Kyle Turris are a combined 4.5 million this year. But get this: it gets worse the next two years when their combined buyouts will be seven and a half and eight and a half before <laughs> finally going down. That's eight million right now, and it'll get worse next year. Sitting on players that do not play for you. Is that bad? That seems bad. Jesse, you've said nothing. I want to know. No, keep it that way. I want to get into it. So, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) 
So there's a case. Jesse looks stressed, by the way. Yeah, no, because you I want am. them to be good. Because there's a case to be made that they're gonna be decent. Yeah. Well, UC Soros plays there. UC Soros plays there, and if you look at played how, there last year, eh? if you look at how the season ended for the Predators, the second half of the season, their best offensive forward, Philip Forsberg, missed the final 32 games. Not good, right? I mean, that happens though. Yossi was out. Final 15 games. Ryan Johansson, out since February. Matt Duchesne, out final 10 games. This is a team that missed the playoff by three points. They didn't. I just named four guys who are yeah, stars on their team who they didn't have. Because no one in the West wanted it at, like, at all. It's, it was, remember the end of the season? Yeah, it's like, where who, it's like, no, you make the playoffs. Who's no, going to accidentally make the playoffs? Make the playoffs? Like, yeah. The Preds right. were the only team that wanted it. So if, if they have just everybody healthy, do they not make the playoffs? I think you're asking, like, in order for them to even be remotely competitive, you need Soros to be a Vesna candidate, and you need Kevin Lankinen, who was their backup, mm -hmm. who you watching just learned that. Uh, he had a 9-19 in 19 games. You need both of those things to happen. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be the better team most nights. Right, so you're going to need spectacular goaltending, and it's a tricky thing to rely on. I don't see a world where UC Soros isn't amazing. How do I? I don't do either. I say this team is going to struggle when they have some of the best goaltending in the National Hockey League. Yeah, but do you understand? He can't be great, but he has to be amazing. He has to be better than great. Okay, we've seen that a million times. If he's a 9-15, they finish in the bottom five. And that also might not be good for Nashville if he's great. Like, if he's super great, like all-star great. Because they're not ideally, they, they want to draft high, don't they? Like, what the hell? They're is not tanking, team? though. Like, Barry Trotz is out there to win. He's out there to play Metapod hockey. That's exactly <laughs> why they got Ryan Johansson. And I, 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 look at, I look at the team and I say, okay... You got you had the defense last year. Your your goals against was was all right. Like you were in the top half and in, in goals allowed. Yep. And what you needed to fix was the offense. And the thing we're not talking about is the beginning of this Barry Trotz regime where he did his the head coach dirty and he he right? he did yeah. he hosted interviews for the position that wasn't open at all because there was a person sitting there with the job, which was very bad. But the guy he ended up hiring was Andrew Burnett. Mm -hmm. Who I like is a specialist at what offense getting his teams to score goals. He did it in Florida. It was unreal in a huge way as an assistant in New Jersey. What did they do? Have one of the best offenses. I'm afraid that if I'm down on Nashville, they're going to go out this year. Andrew Burnett is going to turn this uh, bunch of nobodies into <laughs> an offensive, decent team, and they're going to get really good goaltending and they're going to sneak into a wild card spot. Now here, can, can I give you something truly wild? That's why I'm stressed, Adam. According to their cap friendly, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight forwards, just forwards, making under a million dollars. Ryan O'Reilly is their highest paid forward at 4.5. Yeah. As I believe fan, at, I can't even. Here, here's the thing. I can't fathom. If they're going to score, you need to see like Philip Tomasino, Yusuf Parsonen, uh, Luke Evangelista, some of these guys really like, and Mark Janikowski, like take a Thomas Novak. Yeah, like, yeah, those guys, those young guys, I'm here. I'm so excited to get a look at them, mm -hmm. but you'd have to get big seasons from them. If they're going to play 
Andrew Burnett, Florida Panthers hockey, so which, by things. the way, featured Huberto and and Barkov at the best. They're going to try. So many things need to go well. They're going to try. Okay, let's talk about defense for a sec, because I think this is where one of their biggest strengths. Yeah. Yossi, McDonough, Barry, Shen. That's not a bad top four. Uh, you know, uh, Alexander Carrier, uh, Dante Fabro, Jeremy Lozon, some of those guys are going to are going to play or whatever. But Carrier. really, it's about the top four. Luke Shen and Roman Yossi together is going to be interesting. It sure is. Uh, Luke Shen. God, what a charmed life he's lived recently. He's resurrected his career. What? Yeah, two halves of his career is unbelievable. It's crazy. But like uh, going from Quinn Hughes to Morgan Riley to Roman Yossi, like just yeah. staying on top pairs, being the dude who will kick any and everyone's ass. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's funny. I, I, I look at Shen and I'm like, why Nashville? I look at O'Reilly and go, why Nashville? I know exactly why Nashville would go after those guys. Um, Luke Shen's a perfect fit there. Oh, they're going to help them play Metapod hockey. Um, I also want to ask you this. In the Barry Trotz era, Tyson Barry came in and did a good job. He did a really good job. But in the Barry Trotz, Nashville era... How does Tyson Berry not fit behind, into that? He's not behind the bench. That's yeah. Well, he's not behind the bench. I mean, Andrew Burnett is. Yeah. Let's let's say let's just call it what it is. Uh, Somebody's got to score. Andrew Brunette being Barry Trotz's coach is really weird. <laughs> Dad, it, I I couldn't think of two people who are less compatible stylistically. So I'm I'm really interested to see how that. But works he out. hired him. I that's know that's what, what I'm saying. That's yeah. what's so fun about. We it. don't Brooksy. even know. We don't even know what style the the Nashville Preds will play. Like we have no that's idea. That's why I'm like, oh god, I, I don't know. <laughs> There's something there. Um, they seem like uh, a group that's going to be aiming for draft picks and accumulating accumulating things. But I, I think Jesse's right. They don't seem to want to be out of it for long. Uh, another t- team in the division is also trying to do a retool rebuild on the fly, and we'll get to them in a second. That's the St. Louis Blues, gentlemen. Where do you have the Nashville Predators finishing? In the Central Division, uh, I I hate doing the predictions for this division. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, well, because the two at the top are, it's hard, and then the rest of them, it's like, what are you? I could honestly see them finishing as high as like, they could be third, third or fourth. Yeah, sure. I have them seventh. Jesse, where do you have them? <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I'm thinking about bumping them up to six, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it just to say it. Do it first, third. No, there you go. Get out of here. I think we're both really stupid for our picks. Yep, (laughs) I think you just stopped at really stupid. Yeah, uh, we're both really stupid. I'll I'll take that too. I think the Coyotes are better than them. I think St. Louis is better than them, and I think Minnesota is better than them. I have the Nashville Predators in seventh place. Next up, the Minnesota Wild. Okay, anytime a team with Kirill Kaprizov exists, they should be a threat. Uh, and personally, I've said this a few times, I am irrationally in love with what Bill Guerin is doing with the Minnesota Wild and what they've been able to achieve in the NHL's toughest cap. Before I tell you where they finished last year, let's talk about the cap situation. It wasn't easy last year. They have cap penalties that are not going to get much easier this year. In fact, it's harder. $2 million harder, $14.7 million this year and next. Seems bad. They've had to lose out on some pretty good players like Dumba and Fiala, uh, and they might still be an outside threat right now. And Klingberg. And Klingberg. Yeah. <laughs> right now, they are $43,000 under the cap. Okay. Hey, that's under. That's under. Let's talk about where they finished last year. 103 points. Wow. Very quietly, 103 points for the cap-strapped Minnesota Wild. The betting odds have them where? 
Ooh, they had 103. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 103.5. Jesse. Uh, 98.5. 96 and a half. Wow, really? Yes. Yeah. yes. Now they did lose Matt Dumba. I mean, yeah. But like that shouldn't affect it that much. They yeah. also lost Sam Steele. Oh, you're right. You're and, right. Uh, and John Klingberg. And John Klingberg. And John. They still have noted Alan Walsh client. Sorry. Noted Alan Walsh client. Marc-Andre Fleury. They do. No, but uh, uh, seriously, on the list of guys they lost, they lost Nyquist, uh, Sunquist, Ryan Reeves, Matt Dumba, and John Klingberg. That's not insignificant. No, it's just it's significant. No, but like Klingberg. They lost both the, both the Quibists. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The, All right. Klingberg was an acquisition. Reeves was an acquisition. You know, they didn't start last year with those players. I don't right. remember if Nyquist started there or not. But then they, I assume you'll get into all this, but like they are. they tried to replace all those guys with really no one except Pat Maroon. Because they can't. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> I look at the team and I say, okay, this was a really good 103-point team and you lost six guys off your roster and you brought in Pat Maroon because you can't do anything else. Agreed. But you've got a couple of things going for you. Let's start with the most obvious, Kirill the Thrill. Undoubtedly, one of the best Top line players in the NHL. We know he's a threat. What makes him scarier this year? Uh, well, it makes me scary. Mm-hmm. He's the reason I I made it to the final of my fantasy playoffs, and he got hurt, and that just sunk me. It completely sunk me, and I can only imagine how it will sink the wild. <laughs> if, dude, if that guy gets hurt, mm-hmm. we're talking about a lottery team. I'm serious. Like they, they have goaltending, mm-hmm. but we're talking about a lottery team. Like you know the Hart Trophy that Taylor Hall won. That Con- belonged to Connor McDavid? Yeah. Right. If McDavid wasn't scoring like 150 stupid cartoony points, Kirill Kaprizov would be in the conversation every year for a Taylor Hall style heart where you cannot fathom the team without him. Yeah. You Well, you can't. Um, one thing that uh, I thought was really interesting is they, they went to the Ottawa Senator schools of sign them before they're too good. Matt Boldy got a huge extension this year, mm-hmm. uh, seven million bucks a year for the next, I believe, eight years. And um, frankly, had a really great year last year, 63 points, 31 goals, 32 assists. What do you expect from a guy like that who is so important to not just getting through this cap pinch for the next two years, but also the future of this team over the next 10? I mean, he can. It's not just that, uh, you know, he's a, a gifted offensive player. He's a finisher, right? Mm-hmm. Some guys have a really good eye for everything and they can make things happen. Like, this is a he's a, he's a good trigger man. Um, I was going to point to Marco Rossi, you know, being a reason for youth, youthful optimism as well. Sounds like he got banged up in the preseason. We'll see how that evolves. Mm-hmm. That would be really unfair to him. Well, the Athletic has Marco Rossi as a as the breakout candidate for the Wild. Uh, I'll read it to I you. I really hope so. Uh, this could be end up being Marco Rossi's. He put on 15 pounds of muscle this uh, this off season, um, and basically they're they're saying that he could be joining. Um, he could be like one of the guys that really kind of steps this team up. The other one is obviously Brock Faber. I mean, but. Every, every team is good if everything goes right. Yeah, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but but somebody's got to do a, have a breakout. I mean, that, that for the no, Wild they don't. to survive this. No, they don't. <laughs> for the Wild to survive this, though, yeah. they're going to need that. Yes, no, 100%. And now I'm starting to see why uh, the predictions for them are going backwards. Uh, Jesse. Yeah. When you look at the Minnesota Wild, just looking at the roster, looking at where they're at, what sticks out to you? What's the thing that comes to mind? What's the feeling you get? I I see a team that lacks a little offense. 
You know, I, I don't think they have a lot of game breakers outside of Kir- Kirill Kaprizov. And I think Steve's right in that if there's anything that goes wrong in his game, like this team's going to be desperately trying to to hold fort and trying to uh, score goals. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think this is a team that struggles outside of its top end talent. The, the more I look at their at their team and at their decor, like Brock Faber is such a huge part of this team. He's, like, a, he's apparently going to be the top defensive pair with Brodine. That's why, like, they're gonna get the top defensive minutes, I guess, like so, the hard ones. So, like, his success to me is is the biggest. Uh, I don't know what linchpin or mm-hmm. bi- biggest uh, variable for the Minnesota Wild success. If he is, you know, just a twenty one year old who's a rookie and still getting used to the league, it's really gonna limit what they do. If he's in and around the Calder conversation, or at very least, uh, you know, the best rookie defenseman mm-hmm. that's out there, like uh, Kevin Kurchinski sort of thing. I think they're going to be kind of closely linked this year. Then the Wild have a chance of doing something special. Uh, the Athletic has their defensive core in the mid-tier range, right behind the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of strength. So mid, mid-level of the league. Um, not bad. Not not bad. I also wanted to ask you this. Um, with the extensions to Matt Zuccarello, who will take a pay cut after this year, and Marcus Foligno, who will get a bit of a pay raise after this year, it gives them some stability. But Zuccarello is 36. Marcus Foligno is 32. Jared Spurgeon is 33. Jonas Brodin is 30. Um, they have Goligovsky, although he's not part of the future. He's making $2 bucks this year. He's 38. There are some really... Oh, and Pat Maroon's 35, too. You got to turn the page here. It's you fun. do. But then you look at that and you go, Kaprizov's 26, Boldy's 22, Erickson Eck is only 26. I feel like he's been around forever. Uh, Marco Rossi, if he takes a step forward, 22. Um, and I'm just and I'm kind of going down the names. They're like here, a but- step behind the Dallas Stars, right? Like with the Stars, you can see a very clear passing of the torch. Mm-hmm. But everyone is involved and still good. The Wilds' good players seem to be a little too old, and their uh, good young players seem to be a little too young. Let's talk about the goaltending. And one of the worst trades in Ottawa Senators history. What's that? If he's for real. Philip Gustafson. Yes. So underrated. Who they they traded for Cam Talbot. The second best goals against... I told you at the time that trade was good. That's one of my my takes I'm proud of. I I liked Philip Gustafson when he was with the Sens. I'm proud of that. I thought he was going to be a good player. Even though his numbers weren't good. The league's second best goals against average and save percentage from Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving on last year. And backing him up, you have Marc-Andre Fleury. Mm -hmm. Yes. And both of those guys combined make $7 million. That's a really, really good tandem at that money. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm conf- I'm, I'm interested what happens there with Flurry. He's got a full no move, and uh, I don't think he would be interested in waving it for anything, really. Um, I don't um, think he's going to have to. No, unless the Wild were really bad. I, I don't think he's going to have to. I, I think if you're Minnesota, you go, all right, we're going to have a really cool tandem, and at the end of the season, it's the end of the season, and maybe he retires or whatever. And then we look for a backup to Gustafson, who we promote to full time starter. Um, but this is one of those situations where um, it's okay to let a pending free agent go into free agency, and you just 
let him worry about being a good goalie this year. All right. And I think one of the biggest questions you asked earlier, Adam, it's, I think outside of the offense is, is Philip Gustafson for real? Because when he was in Ottawa, we know he was in 892. Yes. Then they trade him for Cam Talbot and it turns out to be a bad decision because he puts up a 933 in Minnesota. And if that is for real, then they got a serious shot at being good. But if it's not, they're in trouble. 933 is so ridiculous. Like, he could what's what's going to be fascinating is when he drops to like a 918 which is in, still very very good especially in today's NHL how much that hurts the Minnesota Wild it could cost him 10 or 12 points yeah like 933 like, like that's miracle goaltending I, I don't think you understand how good 933 is yeah, so this is a uh, a fascinating one, but uh, all the same, uh, the Minnesota Wild are a team that could be a threat or could be sellers. We have no idea. Where do you have them, guys? Again, I hate this division deeply, um, prediction-wise. I have them third. They could easily shit the bed. Okay. I have them fifth. Oh, all right. I'd call that shit in the bed. Okay. <laughs> I have them third in the division as well. I'm a big fan of what yeah. they're doing there. I think this is a team by committee. Let's go, Minnesota. Whoever says they know exactly how the season is going to play out for the St. Louis Blues is lying to you. We're going to do our... It. Steve's told me before this. He didn't. He knew. He says he knew. He <laughs> definitively knows. If anybody puts their fist out and goes, this is what the St. Louis Blues are. No. Uh, the Blues don't, don't really know. But I think they feel better about it than they did last year. To me, this is one of the NHL's most fascinating teams. Uh, Doug Armstrong sold big at the deadline. One entire Stanley Cup winning line. O'Reilly, Achari, Barbashev gone to two different teams. One of them win, won another cup. Uh, and then he went and tried to get Timo Meyer, Which I don't think was a terrible idea. Which, so, which was the two teams that won the Stanley Cup? Which of those two teams? Vegas. <laughs> it wasn't, oh, it wasn't the other one. It wasn't one. the Leafs. Oh, okay. We ended up with the other two guys. <laughs> last year, they finished sixth with 81 Points. What do you think the betting odds have the St. Louis Blues at this year? Mm, 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 mm. 77.5. Okay. You said, wow, 86? They, they had 81 points left. Oh, 81. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be in and around there. Go a little higher. 83 and a half. 86 and a half. Oh, okay. You're unreal at this. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I told you. Really Jesse Blake Sportsbook. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, well, we need to start one. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, the Blues do not want to rebuild. They want to retool. That's why they were in on Meyer. They want to be competitive again as soon as they possibly can be. And I feel like they can be. And that starts with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the guarantee, right? Like, to, to me, that's the free space uh, for the St. Louis Blues. They have a number of question marks, but those two scoring a billion points and playing fun hockey is easy. Right. And I wonder about those guys um, with this team in terms of what they bring, because sometimes... With great players like that, teams start to get wise to who's scoring, mm -hmm. and they <laughs> ISO them, right? And when you don't have O'Reilly, uh, Achari, Barbashev bringing that toughness, you don't have Tarasenko, who, yes, I know he's had injuries, but is still a threat. He's not there anymore. Um, I wonder, you know, because like I'm looking at their second line, of, ah, it's Shen, it's Bushnevich, it's Saad, it's Kevin Kapanen, Kapanen Verana. Sammy Blake. I really like Jakob Vrana. I do too. I think I'm, he could be a huge breakout player this year. 
Okay. I really do. Okay, tell me but why. Like, we're, we're trusting Jake Neighbors to do a lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Jake so, Neighbors, by the way, in the Jeff Merrick mentions you every day club. Yeah. But you were, you were saying Vranna. And I, he, he loves I interrupted you on why Yeah, Vranna why Vranna? Yeah. Tell, tell us about Vranna. Well, so uh, he's a player I, I really root for. Um, you know, he's he's dealt with, you know, some demons and issues uh, through throughout his, his NHL career. Um, I was really disappointed to see uh, Detroit kind of... Give up on him. After Give the up on him. Yeah, because uh, in the games that he has played in the NHL in recent memory, he's been a goal scorer. Yeah, he's been really good. Um, like that's uh, th- there's just a bunch of good bets uh, on the St. Louis Blues. Like Kapanen to be better than he has been. That's a decent bet, mm-hmm. and there's not much at stake. If he's not the greatest bet, uh, you got him off waivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, Vrana's... At very least, he can skate the lights out. He can Still skate the, the lights out, and Vrana can skate every bit as fast, and he's got better finish. Hmm. Even though he's not finished. I'm just going to say, what? No, wait, where is he from? Um, if you look at the uh, St. Louis defense over the last three years since the Stanley Cup, it seems like every time they've had a major, major decision to make, they've made the wrong one. Do you want to keep Alex Petrangelo or you could get Tory Krug at $3 million less per year? You went with Tory Krug. Petrangelo was obviously the guy to keep. Also you Justin wanted to keep... Falk. You want? Do you want to keep Vince Dunn yeah. or do you want to go get Justin Falk? <laughs> At $6.5 million, same as Tory Krug. Well, Vince Dunn, to me, is a, is a guy that's rising up and becoming the guy that you drafted him mm-hmm. to be. Justin Falk is 31. Mm-hmm. The decor doesn't look bad, though. It's still Falk, Krug, Pareko, Letty. They're all between 30 and 32 years of age. Don't forget about Marco Scandella, 33 years of age. Yeah. And then you've got Bertuzzo, Tucker, and uh, Scott Peronovich. Uh, Perunovic. Uh, I think Adam, like I'm caught somewhere between sharing your optimism mm-hmm. for the St. Louis blues and looking at that roster and going, Oh, this is dangerously close to being a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. The St. Louis blues are in danger of becoming a list of names. They sure are a bunch of people. That's, that's like when I, when I was looking at this team and I was trying to, Per, 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 look at how they're going to finish. Prognosticate. Was that? They're going to pro, pro, prognosticate is what I was going to say. And then I was like, I'm going to back out of that word because I can't really say it. Um, You're two syllables deep. It's yeah, I'm like, fuck it. All right. Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. And then I mentioned Jake Neighbors, who's 21 and first round pick and could blossom into something. Jack, like Jeff Merrick's guy. Outside of, outside of like Thomas and Cairo, I'm like, it's a bunch of guys. Yeah. And it's like, what are, do we expect Jordan, Jordan Bennington to be 2019 Bennington and, and carry the team? To well, the, well 20, here's the thing. 2018, they, sorry. They've had three decisions to make. Petrangelo, Dunn, and Ville Husso, and they've eld on all three of them, right? He was he was a disaster for a lot of last year. Oh, Bennington? Bennington. Oh, terrible. And the rest of the lineup, if you can't get good goaltending and your rest of the lineup looks like a bunch of guys outside of Cairo and Thomas, I'm a little worried. Now, there's guy Jeff Merrick mentions every day in, in Jake Neighbors. There's guy Grav mentions every day in Joel Hoffer. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you about him because Bennington has not had a save percentage at or above 910 since 2021. Okay. It's gotten, it's it's not bad, but it's not great. Uh, Hoffer, though, is he the guy? Because I think Bitter's on his last year. Yeah. So is, just, he, is he the guy that challenges and takes over? Uh, I, I do think Hoffer wrong, could absolutely... Binner's not on his last year, objectively. No, no. He's oh, a close. He's like I, a long I, when you said deal. that, I was like, really? Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know why I thought that four more years. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. <laughs> and last, 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 do you have his numbers from last year? Because I can read them off for you. Please. 27 and 27 and 6 with an 894. That's not good. That's yucky. That's caca. also way too many games for, for Binner. Like 61 NHL games uh, for Binnington is too much at this point. And Hoffer's got to step up and be a guy. But well, his six career thing. starts. Who knows what he is? This is the thing. They didn't have anyone. And then Hoffer comes in, shows. He, they, they had Thomas Grice. Well past due, Thomas Grice. He retired. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, well past due. They, yeah. Last year went so well that he said, I'm not going to play hockey anymore. <laughs> So uh, that's pretty. That's pretty bad. Um, but Hoffer was really, really good in the minors. Um, but it's a, it's a big step. It's a big step. Like I wonder. You're asking. Uh, you're asking Hoffer for thirty games. Yeah, at, I, at least. See, here's what I, I think. The reason I started this segment with anybody who tells you they know exactly how the St. Louis mm-hmm. Blues season is going to go is lying to you is because of Doug Armstrong. To me, Doug Armstrong is the guy that is going to... Well, obviously, he's going to make or break this, but I really genuinely believe he's one of the more aggressive general managers in the Have NHL. Have you ever spoken to him? Uh, yes, he's a, he was a, uh, a guy on Asia Provocateur. He's one of our first interviews. Well, you're, you're speaking very nicely about a man well, you know personally. No, I, I, I actually... I'm really impressed with the fact that he was in on Timo Meyer. I'm really... Uh, I don't think that Doug Armstrong has ever really put together a team that are just a bunch of names in his entire run here in St. Louis. So if there's any team that I don't believe mm-hmm. is going to become that, it's the St. Louis Blues. I think they will have an identity, even if they don't make the playoffs. Here's what I was unimpressed with. Uh, him trying to get Timo Meyer worked out the same way uh, that trading Tory Krug did. Right. That neither thing happened. <laughs> he tried to trade Tory Krug. Krug had trade protection. He blocked the trade. So... A lot of GMs are heading into this year with at least mostly the team that they want. Um, we know objectively Doug Armstrong is heading into a season with a team he does not want. Right. And that's a dangerous general manager. It's a dangerous He's general manager. Well, it takes leverage away from him. I think, I, yes, but I think any team that's not performing doesn't have the same leverage as a team well, that is. And that's Tory, true, too. And Tory Krug... He's going to be one of the more active ones in the NHL. A, a thousand percent, and that's why it's so exciting. And that's mm-hmm. why I said, I don't think we know what the St. Louis Blues are yet. I think this is a full-blown transitional year. Do they squeak into the playoffs? We'll save that for the end of the segment. But I I wonder about... Let's let's mention Tory Krug. Let's, let's use him as an example. Sure. Okay, so I am your general manager. Jesse is your coach. And Steve Dangle, oh, you are Steve. You're Stevie Krug, mm-hmm. defenseman that we traded for, that we let Petrangelo go for, and a couple of years later, even though you got your no trade or your no move or whatever you have, you know that Jesse and I mm-hmm. have had several meetings without you in it, mm-hmm. along with the entire scouting staff and assistant GMs and all that, and said Stevie Krug is not a fit on this blue line anymore for where we want to go. And so we come to you and we go, hey. Can you waive that no trade? Mm-hmm. You know that the coach knows it's coming. You know the a- the AGMs know it's coming, and you didn't know it was coming. You go, well, no. But then do you have the summer to think about it, and you think about it, and you go, well, all of the guys clearly they must have come to co- some consensus. So most of the people in our front office no longer want me here. Mm-hmm. Why would I not waive it? Do you not feel like that? No, he wants to live in St. Louis, right? Like he wants his family to be there. Like, I, I don't think people hate Philadelphia so much that they're like, I'd never go there. Of course not. Right? So St. Louis uh, either. I'm just saying. He's put down roots. There, there is, there's a situation 
where the Blues could really overachieve mm -hmm. with all their guys out there who have an axe to grind. But there's also a situation where things go south and it's just one of the most dysfunctional rooms in the NHL. They, they got a coach who's been there for a while and he's been openly grumpy and critical of his team. You got a bunch of guys who are on their fourth, fifth, sixth chance, Kasperi Kapanen. You know, like he couldn't have had a better situation. He was on Matthew's wing. Then you go to Pittsburgh. They're looking for a guy who can play with Malkin or Crosby. It doesn't work out. He gets put on waivers. Now he's in St. Louis. And there's no Malkin. There's no Crosby. There's no Matthews. There's Kyru and Thomas. There's Kyru and Thomas. What, are you going to be riding shotgun with them? There's Jake Neighbors. It's probably, it's, I mean, what's <laughs> Jeff in the room? <laughs> yeah, what's the over-under on how many times we mentioned Mr. Man, Neighbors? Jake Neighbors. I, I'm, I'm going to be paying attention to Jake Neighbors a lot. We better. They're, they're going to have to rely on the youth because like a lot of these older guys... Uh, we're coming up on 11 minutes, guys. Okay. Well, uh, oh, sorry. Well, because we're so confused about oh, this damn team. Uh, but, maybe I started recording a little bit. But I'm throwing this out there. Uh, I think that the the St. Louis Blues are the team that changes the most from game one to game 82 this year. That's my prediction. That's a fair bet. So yeah. let me ask you guys this. Where do you have them in the division? Uh, even though I think Kevin Hayes is super jacked to not be under John Tortorella anymore, uh, I have them sixth. Okay, Jesse Blake. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. I have them sixth as well. Ooh. And I would take a flyer on Craig Berube being one of the first head coaches fired. I think you're right. I take. I put money on that. I think you're right. Okay, I have them just above the Coyotes. I think they're going to be in fifth place. And uh, I I like the St. Louis Blues more than these guys do. But the thing, the biggest roadblock for me for them is Jordan Bennington. You have them outside the playoffs. I do have them outside the playoffs, but I think there's going to be some big changes, and I think they'll be back in the picture next year. They made the playoffs last year, uh, but were one of the first of a few teams to be absolutely steamrolled by the Vegas Golden Knights. Perhaps not their fault, uh, but the Jets seem to be I holding on to... Rick Bonus certainly well, thought it was their fault. <laughs> yes, he did. I'm trying to be <laughs> gentle. I, I can't start with the hammer, Jesse. Okay. We're just getting this thing. Rick had one person to blame, and it was his, his entire team. Uh, we, we've done enough central previews that I think this is the grumpiest division in the NHL. It, it has to yep. be. There's yeah. definitely a lot of unrest here. Yeah. People aren't happy, yep. which I think makes it a potentially ex explosive division, especially once and you fun. get outside of the first two teams. And fun, um, fun to follow as a fan. They're not bad, but the Jets do seem to be holding on to an era that is bygone with diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. And you have to ask the question, is going to the playoffs just the only goal here? And so let's let's start here. They finished fourth in the division last year, 95 points they squeaked in. What are the betting odds? What do you think? 95 points? Yeah, they had 95 points last year. Man, this is the only team in the NHL I think I would say this for. I would never bet on the Winnipeg Jets. Wow. Like, like, you just four, don't like four or against. They trade Connor Hellebuck. That's a swing of like 20 points in yep. the standings. Yep. Uh, so, uh, I don't know, 89.5. Okay. Jesse. You, what, what was it last season? 95. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right around in there. 93.5. You're close. 91.5. Steve is actually closer Ooh. without going over. Hey, uh, biggest question has middle. to be, and Steve mentioned it, the future of Connor Hellebuck. Contract is up. Yeah. at the end of this year. And here's the thing. He walks into camp, and if Steven Stamkos hadn't walked in and said what he said about the Lightning and the lack of extension, Connor Hellebrook's, I think his 
his discussion with the media would have been the top story that day. Shifley too. Well, he said, I'm yeah. here to win a cup, whether it's here or somewhere else. What did Shifley say? Uh, Shifley uh, was, like Stamkos, also disappointed he didn't have a deal done. He's, he's walking into the exact same situation uh, where uh, he's just a UFA. Yeah, but... Well, he makes less. A little yeah, different. but... One also, of them's won a bunch of stuff. One of them's Stamkos. One of, them and one of them is there. the greatest player in their franchise's history. The other is Mark Shifley. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's not that Mark Shifley's not a great player. I want to I focus on Connor, Connor Hellebuck because I do have Shifley later on. He improved his two-way game last year big time. So Connor Hellebuck is a guy that, you know... He's just one of those goaltenders of a generation that are so spectacular. The thing is, is that he's right around that big, scary number in sports, 3-0. Uh, you turn 30, you're basically dead. But you, you, <laughs> you turn 30 and people are like, okay, start the stopwatch. When's yeah. this guy's career going to die? Is it this year? I don't know. It could be in a couple of years, but I don't know if I want to take that risk. Carter Hellbuck <laughs> seems like a pretty fair bet. But is he going to be a Winnipeg Jet for very much longer? He could sign a nightmare contract next summer. Uh, no, um, I don't. Like, okay. Sometimes you head into a season and you're like, this is this guy's last year here, and that's okay. We're going for the Stanley Cup, um, and if we win, we win. If we don't, we don't. And if we lose him, we lose him, mm -hmm. right? Winnipeg cannot go into a season and think that way. They can't think that way. They have a really hard time recruiting people to play in Winnipeg. They That's the beginning, middle, and end of it. They don't really have a replacement in waiting for Connor Hellebuck. They don't really have a replacement in waiting for Mark Shifley. You need to trade these players and get assets for them. You can't just let them walk. It's not good enough that you have cap space at the end of it How because you have to pay one of the biggest premiums in the NHL to get players to play in your city. And that's all fair, Steve. Yeah. But when you're true North sports and entertainment and you probably lose money in real dollars on this team every year anyway, and that's yeah. okay because you're owned by like two of the richest people in the country, um, like billionaires, mm -hmm. uh, you probably need the gate revenue from the first round. So Ugh. to me, they have to be a part of this team unless there's a dramatic fall off in October and November. And then it's like, okay, we don't have a chance. Yeah, but going after gate revenue uh, this year in the, in the playoffs affects your ability to go after gate revenue for the next half decade. Well, I hope that they have a, a strong business pitch in for that because I, I'm guaranteeing you what, what management will say is that might be, but at least we can guarantee it this year. I can't guarantee it for the next three or four. It's... It's bad business. Now, Jesse. Yes. I want to ask you about three names. Okay. And I'm going to ask Steve about them too, but I wanted to bring Jesse in on this one. Okay. The names are Velarde, mm -hmm. Ayafalo, and Kupari. The return for Pierre-Luc Dubois. What did they bring to this lineup? Great trade. Great trade. I like, actually really like it. For yeah, them. they did a fantastic job with that trade with a guy who was very unhappy and is unhappy in multiple places he's been. And let's see how it works out in L.A., but that's a different conversation. Um, they they filled out the rest of, of the group. You know, they they filled out the depth, depth. of their of their four group. And I think that now that you are barring a catastrophic start to the season, like Adam said, the team is going to be competitive in all aspects of yep, the season. They're, they're going to be fighting. You know, they're not bad. They have such good pieces uh, throughout the lineup. It's not like we've talked about a whole bunch of teams uh, in this division on our other previews. And you look at some of the other teams and you say, okay, there's guys 
and mm. you're like, what can these guys be? Those three you just named are legitimate talents. There are other talents here like Shifley, like Ehlers, like Kyle Connor, and they have weapons. That's why I'm not too worried about them falling off too far or not being competitive because there aren't just a collection of bunch of guys here. There are legitimate NHL talents throughout this lineup. A couple the guys one thing, coming off down years too. Connor, the, the Con, one thing Connor's I, a big one. The one thing I want to I want to say is I think there was a time when Nikolai Ehlers and, and William Nylander were considered the same. And they were almost drafted like it's one after the other. I think I, it's like six and eight, isn't it? I think it was, yeah. Yeah. So or ninth seven. overall for Ehlers. Okay, so it was Nylander or Ehlers, right? So Nylander would have been eighth. Nylander was uh, eighth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. so um, Ehlers hasn't gotten worse. There've been some injuries, but him and Bonus don't seem to mix. If Ehlers is going to be effective, Bonus has to play him. Well, he didn't. He didn't mix with Maurice either, right? So that's. So is it now the common denominator is the player? Uh, Jets fans would, I think, disagree. But like, at some point, you got to do what your coach likes. I mean, uh, it, like, when does it stop mattering mm. that uh, you have all this potential? And gosh, it's just the coach. Like, at some point, you got to do something different, man. Same with the, uh, to a different extent, Vili Hainola mm-hmm. on the back mm-hmm. end. That's something that's exciting. I know, I know yeah. Brad and Liss on Game Over Winnipeg have been losing their minds about that. And don't tease me, Rick. Um, but uh, <laughs> Vili Hainola has been incredible in the minors. Like, he's too good for the American League. Uh, so let's finally see what he does in the NHL. What about a guy like Cole Perfetti, who for years has been, uh, is he going to take the step forward? Is this the year? More, more like Cole Ferretti. Because he's ready to take the next Is step at think? the NHL. Is that what you think? I, I Yeah, I really like this player. Like, we're talking about a guy with uh, maybe not right now, but I, I think he's got easy 30-goal potential in the league. Um, asking him to do it right away is kind of tough, but uh, there's a guy who could take a big step for them. He demonstrated last year he was more of uh, the playmaker type. He played. Yeah. He got into 51 games, th- threw up 22 assists. You know, like he might that's all right. He might emerge into that that guy who has the fifty assist, the sixty assist season instead of just the pure goal scorer. He's, he's got offensive gifts. Yeah. Like I, there's no doubt in my mind that Cole Perfetti is gonna be a good player. Raspis Kupari is interesting because he's um uh offensively great. He's he is every Winnipeg Jets good forward over the last ten years, offensively great and really needs to clean up that defensive game. Sure. Uh but he is a creative playmaker guy, um fast can play center or wing so they can experiment. I kind of like that. Um, I want to know, Mark Shifley, what would you do? So if you, so, do you, do you keep, Steve, do you keep Connor Hellebuck? <laughs> Kupari, before you move on from Sorry. him, uh, he was interesting in LA because he was too good for the Ontario Reign, but there was no room on the Kings for him. Right. So there, you have a really talented guy who hasn't really had a legit shot in the NHL, and that's the kind of return you want in deals when you're making them for a guy like PLD. Absolutely. And you know, it's the same thing with Sean Dursey, right? Because mm-hmm. he had to move because they need to make room for Brant Clark because there was too much The Kings good defense. did a really good job of just hoarding young talent mm-hmm. and uh, it's paying dividends. I want to know what you guys would do with Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley. Jesse, Connor Hellebuck, what would you do? I, I don't think that anybody should be trading away a top five goaltender in the National so Hockey do you, League. So do you, do you extend him? I would. Okay. I would find a way to extend Hellebuck. Steve Dangle. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you can extend him, you do it. But I, I, I think if they could do it, they would have done it by now. And Mark Shifley... I'd invent time travel, go back two years, and trade him then. Okay, Jesse, what about Mark Shifley? <laughs> oh, Shifley? Uh, 
I don't I don't know if there's an avenue for we, Shifley to come back. Two seasons away from him being on the podium demanding to know where the Jets were headed because he had to make a decision about his future. We're only a few months away from his coach seemingly calling him and the other leaders out, as you know, the lack of heart. I just How are they still here? I well, I don't know. Uh Jets defense looks like this. You got a Norris candidate in Josh Morrissey with Dylan DeMello, Brandon Dillon. I wonder if Neil Pionk has a uh they need him to have a bounce back here. He needs to be a top four defenseman again. Ooh, Neil Pionk hasn't been good for a couple of years. I, I kinda wonder if that one year he caught lightning in a bottle and maybe that was that. Okay, so it seems like the Jets season hinges on a lot of players having the best case scenario. Well, Too many players. That's that's a lot of teams in this division. Uh, one of them is going to be right. Um, the one one thing that they that could like galvanize them that they can sort of rally around. Josh Morrissey. They were calling Josh Norrissey last year, and the dude wasn't even nominated. I think they're going to do everything in their power to get him at least a nomination for that thing. So with that, where do you have the Jets finishing? Again, I hate this division with all my heart because every team in it has like a three-place swing. Um, I have the Jets fourth because I didn't know where else to put them. Jesse Blake, where do you have them? I thought the exact same thing. I said, I don't know, so I'm just going to put them in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Number four. They could finish like second, yeah. maybe yeah. even seventh. Be last if, I, they, if they blow up the team. Well, if Connor Hellebuck's gone, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Uh, I have them... Currently, as it stands, I also have them in fourth. Oh, there you go. I don't see how they could, couldn't be better than St. Louis, Arizona, Nashville, or Chicago, except if Connor Hellebuck isn't there anymore. Yeah. I guess we'll see. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.